on this episode of Quantum Week, January 7th through 13th, 2013. Quantum Week. Quantum Week. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year. We talk about movies and music and headlines and our stories. We are in mid-January 2013 with Django Unchained and I Knew You Were Trouble by Taylor Swift. Yes. Before we get into that, though, we want to talk about we're doing a race tomorrow. Yes, a 5K, which you're going to beat me in. Sad for me, but it's okay. Don't be that sad. I don't think I'll be that fast. I've, I've been going pretty slow. Like, I can definitely hit the... I've done three miles um, now, so I know I can do it, but it's, it's I'm not fast. I haven't really run, like, hard in 10 years. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, in sprints and stuff, I have, but not, yeah. like, not like three miles. I'm terrible distance running. This sucks. Yeah, but it'll be fun. It's a good cause. Colin Ritzer 5K. I guess you can sign up. You're hearing this on Saturday. The race is going to be tomorrow and Sunday. Um, you can sign up, I believe, day of or but you know, check on, on the website. Just you know, you can Google Colleen Ritzer, uh, R-I-T-Z-E-R uh, yep. 5K. It's in uh, North Shore, Massachusetts. I'm, I'm sorry, flaking on what town right now. Um, but uh, if you're in that general area, I think it's Sunday morning. It's a nine o'clock start. Yep. Right. Um, so it's uh, team Minahan is the, uh, the team I know Matt and I are on. Um, so, uh, and then afterwards, uh, Kirk and Jerry are going to be doing a, uh, Jerry Callahan are going to be doing a, uh, a, a show, show. together. Yep. Uh, a live show there. So that's a pretty fun, cool bonus. Totally. Yeah. I've never met Jerry. I've never, I've, so I'm You've kind never of, I'm met pretty Jerry? excited. No, not once. <laughs> I'm going to no. have to introduce you. That's going to be funny. It'll be pretty wild. So it'll be, pre- be pretty cool. Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited to see them do a show. That sounds pretty it sounds very fun and cool and weird. And like, it'd be weird to like watch it. Cause I just, in my car, I listen to them so often. So that'd be fun to watch them do it. I can't, when was the last time I did a show? Maybe four years ago. I know they've done something since, but something last time they were on EEI was something like four yeah, years ago. Yeah. Well, they did, they did, uh, you know, Kirk, Jerry went on Kirk's show a couple of times. I know Kirk was Jerry's first guest, maybe his very first show of the show you work on now. That's um, fun. but, uh, yeah, it'd be really cool watching them do a show. I'm sure that'd be fun. Um, so yeah, so it'd be a fun day. So join us if you're in that area and say hello. Yes. Come say hi for sure. And then the next thing is uh, we're announcing next week's shows. Which you're very excited. Well, you, it's your birthday, it's my week, birthday my friend. Week. So yeah. we're going to uh, 2009. Uh, I targeted a particular musical artist as I did last year. I, it was Radiohead last year, but this time it's Grizzly Bear released their album Vaketimist, um a couple months ago in 2009 or a couple months before this week that we're doing in 2009. And uh, it was kind of their only, they had two singles really, but only one had like a prominence was called two weeks. So it was a great excuse for me to, it's one of my favorite albums. So it's a great excuse for me to, to talk about this song and this album and, and this artist. And we'll never, we'll never ever talk about them again. So perfect opportunity. That show will have Star Trek. It'll be the first reboot. Um, the, the Chris Abrams. and the Abrams yep. one. Yep. And the second show is the proposal that'll be on Patreon. Um, and then a, I just said the artist's name. Carrie Hilson. Carrie Hilson is the Stone song. Yes. Yeah, so. with Kanye West. And it's like something down. What is it called? Knock You Down by uh, Carrie Hilson is what it's called. But it was number, we'd already done the number one and two this week. This has been a popular Yeah, well, we I think we've period. done like two weeks right around the same time. Yeah. We're starting to hit that in the show. We've done so many weeks now. We're starting to run into weeks that are neighboring other weeks. Uh, but yeah, so next week, Star Trek. Star Trek. And then a Patreon show for our show this week. Uh, so tomorrow uh, is Zero Dark Thirty. That's right. So, um, cool. All right. So, uh, but today we got a big show. 
Django yeah, and Shane. Yeah. Is this our one, two, this is our third one to fourth uh, Quentin Tarantino, right? Yes. We Pulp have Jackie Brown, Jackie Pulp Brown, Fiction, um, Inglorious Bastards, Bastards, and this. And this. Yeah. Uh, and of the, <laughs> this is crazy because, um, you know, there's three of, well, all these movies are great, but uh, it's crazy for me to think that this is my third favorite of the, of the four that we've covered. I like Django better than Inglorious Bastards, of course. Uh, Pulp Fiction is one of my favorite. It might be my favorite movie. I don't know. And second is uh, Jackie Brown, a beautiful, beautiful movie who we both like, and this is number three for me. It's not for me. Not for you. You didn't uh, like it. No, no, I like it a lot. It's a great movie. It's going to get an A minus for me. Obviously, thumbs up. Thumbs a for up. me. A for me. Uh, this is a great, great, great movie for sure. Uh, it's I think it's in my top fifty all the time. Yeah, like it's 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 a very, very good, very good movie. Um, but no, I think it's my fifth favorite uh, Tarantino movie. Well, it might be lower. I have to think about that. But of the four we've covered, this is three. But you're oh, saying the four we? Oh, so yeah, the four we've covered. This is um, this is fourth, I guess. Oh no, oh, no, you also did Kill Bills. This is our fifth one. What the fuck? that okay, uh, so, so i like this better than kill bill yeah but you don't like it better than glorious bastards or any other right any other ones you okay. cover for the show yeah right. so uh yeah for for me uh once upon a time in hollywood i also like better than this uh reservoir dogs is is i actually like this i think a little better than reservoir dogs um but um but I always think of this movie and Inglorious Bastards is kind of yeah. Well, it's the same thematically. It, it came has out like, like four years or what four years apart something like that. Yeah. They're both like historical. Um, uh, you know, films and they both have Christoph Waltz. They just, I just feel like they're almost like little like sister movies. Well, they also change history too. Yeah. It's like, it's a, uh, so, so it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yeah. too, but I think of that differently. Um, I, I just think, you know, these two coming out relatively close together for Tarantino and, you know, the Waltz factor. Sure. Um, so I think of them a, similarly a lot, but the more I've seen Inglorious Bastards, the more I, I like it. It keeps kind of inching up my list. Mm. Where this one, I've only I've only seen this. This is only the third time I've seen this, which is wild to me. Because um, I've seen Glorious Bastards like a dozen times. Um, it's just, I just keep missing this one. But this is very good. My problem. We'll talk about some of the issues with it. Uh, it my biggest issue is is the end. So um, once Christoph Waltz and DiCaprio both get killed, the movie to me screeches to a halt. But then it just keeps dragging on. You're like, what? What what are we doing here? A little bit. I think they kind of fake us out a little bit. And because it it might have been much longer. So after uh, Django gets captured and he gets sold to that mining company yep. and you think it's going to be this whole big deal of him like rounding up those miners, bribing them, going back in I and forth. At some point, like how, how much but it doesn't happen. It's just, it just, it quickly changes. He shoots the, he shoots him and, and goes back in and saves his, his, uh, his wife from Hilda. Right. But it's just, it feels weird. Like, so like why even have that in there? Why just end it? Why? I just don't get it. I don't understand the. So you think he should have just, well, yeah, because I think because you're expecting him to get out of the house with Broomhilda right away. Right. I guess they have issues with the whole thing. So I, I don't believe for a second that King Schultz, played by Christoph Waltz. Yeah. We'll talk about Waltz's performances, performance in Oscar win in a bit. But uh, I don't believe he would ever shoot DiCaprio. See, I disagree. I think something drastically changes for him. He, like on the base human level, the moment he sees Django take off his jacket in the beginning when he first meets him and yep. sees all the whip marks on his back. Sure. You see his face and it is, I mean, it's a, it's a, a, a crazy um, remarkable bit of acting for him to express the shock, horror, sadness, all like in one second. And you can see that it just impacts his character. And I think from then on, it's a march towards him feeling, I mean, he talks about it, responsible for Django to just mad and but it comes too quick see no 
Uh, because we're with each other for months, you know? Right. But even when they're on the way to Candyland, so we're, uh, they're on, they see the guy. I don't know if they see, maybe they don't see him get ripped apart yet. It's, it's right around that same time, that same, that same sequence. He stops. He's like, hey, he tells Jamie Foxx's character, Django. He's like, you, you got to, basically got to relax, calm down. He's like, no, no, I'm playing. You told me to play the role. I'm playing the role. They have to give and take, but he's very cautious. Christoph Waltz is, King Charles is very cautious. He's like, well, well, hold on, hold on. And then you tell me like a day later. But you see him break there. The first time he gets angry at Django there because Django calls him out. You should be. You should be. And he sort of, and, he, and, and Waltz gets, gets angry there. But enough to shoot the camera? I think he was going through the motion in, of, this is the thing, this is the way that he, 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 his paternal nature should be. I think Waltz is going through, or Waltz's character, Schultz is going through those motions. But once, but I think Jamie, uh, I think Django exposes that and he, cha- and he changes. And he's like, oh yeah, I should be fucking outraged. I, I think he gets mad and then, he squashes the whole, I, I just feel like this guy is never shows anything but just thinking about, like, he's always one step ahead. He's always like, all right, let's be yes. analytical about this. Like, I think that for me, like, a believable turn for King Schultz there is they leave that house. He shakes his hand. They leave the house. Then they go back and they go through the proper, whether it be authority or whatever it is, or maybe they have some crazy scheme where then they get revenge on, on that way. Just to go out and shoot him like that in kind of cold blood, and I just, it doesn't seem like that guy. Hmm. I, I just, I don't buy it. And I, I'd say, so I've seen this movie three times now. Every time it surprises me that he shoots the camera. It, it surprises me too. Every time, but because I think it's a problem because I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I can never see it coming because it's just so unexpected from this character. I don't know if that's great character. Like I, and you know, and Terrence is a cheat too in that scene. So he has a flashback of the guy getting ripped apart by the dogs. And he, so he's like, I think they felt like they needed to put that in there. because I think they did too. Because it's not believable that Schultz would do this. I think, yeah, I think he questioned whether audiences would see, exactly, would see the transition. In, in, it's too in fast. It's, it's too abrupt. And it also just isn't what this character does. It's, and I think it's, it seems like a cheat. And it feels like it's like a, like a plot device. And then like, and then they have that shootout, which is fine. Like it's fine, whatever. You know, some people say it goes on too long. I'm okay with that, I guess. But then they have this like extended like epilogue or not even epilogue because it doesn't, no, it's not really a conclusion. Like you don't, it's this weird like pre-conclusion. And it's just, he, the thing, I guess the reason it's so unfulfilling and the reason it's so, oh, I just, just get on with it already. It's because you know Django is going to live. Like you just know, like you know, like you know what's going to happen. So yeah. you're like, even the first time seeing this, I felt that way. Yeah. So like, why, why are we going through this like song and dance? Like, just get like, let's go. I just feel he's stringing you along a little bit. I don't, you know, and then he's in the movie at the, near the end, which is kind of annoying because you want the, you want, you want the movie to end at some point. You want, you want, you yeah, want, you need some closure right. you need to, to move on. Yeah. And like now we have like Tarantino doing like this glorified cameo and it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. I didn't like the, like him He's a bad taste in my mouth every time I watch this movie. And with Bastards for me, I always get kind of a bad taste in my mouth with, with the Bastards kind of some of this stuff. I feel it's kind of like corny jokes and stuff like that. But the more I see it, the less that bothers me. But I said, the more I've seen this movie, the thing that bothers me, uh, bothers me more each time. It, do- it doesn't go away, actually. Because the first hour of this movie, to me, is almost flawless. Yeah. So, Schultz's character, though, think about it. He's from Europe. He's not used to slavery. Right. Like we see in the, in, even when he encounters it kind of the first time, Ken encounters Django the first time he talks about it. So, I think he just gets to the point where he's fed up. He's with Django. He's, he's seeing it. He's confronting it. He's seen a slave auction, 
saw the, you know, the horrible conditions that, that Django was in and, and the rest of the slaves that were with him were in the whip marks. He, you know, he, he felt a lot of compassion for Django who had a wife that he loved, who was na- the German element too, named after yep. a, um, a German fo- folklore character spoke German. I, it didn't bother me. I just felt like at some point he's like, fuck this. This is wrong. That's enough. This guy needs to go and took him. Plus he's so evil. I mean, Leo's yeah. character is like so devious and evil. A um, completely, uh, you know, a really brave performance by DiCaprio. Oh, he just God. goes all in and just, and does it, you know, and, and he's such a great actor. He's probably our last movie star. He's got a movie coming out this year. In fact, um, DiCaprio is, is, is a, is a fan. You know, the great thing about DiCaprio is he's such a good actor, but he is willing to take these parts that are not glamorous at all. And some, and you know, this character, you know, is disgusting, a horrible, horrible, horrible person. Um, but he just goes in all in, which is the right way to play it. And he's, and you know, DiCaprio is like an intelligent actor and he's just, he is so good here. And it's, it's a very, it's a risky performance because I mean, this could have gone, I mean, obviously you trust Tarantino is going to do it the right way and everything, you know, but it's still, it's still a ballsy performance. Well, yeah, you're just from like the script level, you're saying the N word over and over Over and over again. Like that's, and around you, like the whole smile on your face. Yes. It's like. That's hard to do. Yeah. Um, his performance is amazing. I mean, he's so good. And you don't see him until the, like the last third of the movie. So you're uh, like, so I, so I thought, say second act. It's the second act starts it really with that? Yeah, it's an hour in, but it's, you know, it's, it's 240. It but no, that. it's really the second act begins with them. I guess still it's when nice. When writes Mississippi on the screen. That's, that's when it, the movie kinda, turns. It's kind of a nice awakening to have him there. It's great because yeah. like I said, that first act is flawless. So the second act, you kind of need, well, you need a bad guy. You need, a, you need an antagonist, right? So, um, because the first act doesn't really have an antagonist. You're just meeting our protagonists, both right. of them. Um, uh, and then the you know, second act, you kind of get that, you get that fun villain. And you also get Samuel L. Jackson at the same time. Yeah, I, I mean, I cannot, I can. I, so Samuel L. Jackson in this movie, uh, that performance, uh, it, for villains, top five. Yeah, like this is like he's awesome unbelievably great performance by Samuel L. Jackson. One that's incredibly underrated. Everyone who watches this movie always walks away saying he's good and everything, but he wasn't nominated for an Oscar, not even nominated for an Oscar. Um, and, uh, you know, he's great, uh, of course, and Jackie Brown is yes. a bad guy. He's, he's, he's evil there. But this is like, this shows you, Samuel L. Jackson, I mean, I, I wonder if people, I, I feel like Samuel L. Jackson does not get the respect he deserves. No. Um, well, he's, I mean, it's probably because he plays a lot of the same Character, if it's an more of an action movie, yeah, I guess. And then you got the Marvel movies, Marvel and, things yeah. and Marvel. I know, and I know he does like snakes on a plane. He's kind of just being like a bombastic. But think about like just those three characters. You have Jules and Pulp Fiction, right? Mm-hmm. Who is a? That's kind of what he became. Like that's like Samuel yeah. Jackson, right? Like right. That's right. like the quintessential yeah. Samuel, right? Yeah. Cliche, if you will. And then he does uh, Jackie Brown, um, and that character is evil, selfishly evil. And kind of a loser. A loser thinks he's smarter than he really is, yes. but has like something like he also like kind of in charge. Or like I feel like Jules was like you know he was never really in. He was just kind of his own own thing. He was like uh, you know he just says I want to be like kung fu, just kind of walk the earth. Right. Where in Jackie Brown he's like the leader of this you know pathetic gang, and then in this movie he is obviously incredibly you know subservient. He's literally a servant, and yeah. he's he's just kind of a beck and call, but. He obviously has some major identity like crisis, whether, you know, 
you know, is he is he someone who thinks he like is the closest thing to being white? Is he is he someone that is or just feels like he's king of black? Like yeah, it, no, it's no, a he, weird. It's a, but, it's, but it's, he, it's a very challenging role it, that he yeah. pulls off. In order for him to not hate his life, he has to elevate himself yes. above the slaves that are around him, even though he is also a slave. But it's, I think it's also like black and white because he immediately it's not a slave because he immediately has major issue with uh, Jenga. Because well, now, because he see, yeah, because so, Django is a higher elevated black person. Than he is he's like, oh, right. I cannot, I will not stand for this. Right, and he like he's 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 enraged when he sees right. uh, uh, Django walking on he a is. horse, like he's uh, coming on a horse. He's he's furiated. Yeah, because it completely destroys what his perception of identity is. Yep, which is a really like like that stuff to me is so compelling because you don't see like like Tarantino. This script is very good. I won the Oscar. It's a great script. It's, it's a great. Brilliant script. Yeah. Um, but to have that like challenge of like someone's identity and it's like, it's almost like the C story in this movie yeah. <laughs> is, is really interesting. And, uh, it's a hard, cause ja you know, Samuel Jackson doesn't have a ton of screen time here. Like you can no. see like Samuel Jackson kind of comes in, I don't say third act. Cause the third act, I guess is when the fighting begins or when the turn, when DiCaprio realizes that, you know, yeah. well actually when Samuel Jackson informs him that these guys right. are, are uh, not what they appear. Um, but like, to come in like in the back half of the movie and then have this role, we have this really interesting, challenging um, thing. You don't see a lot in film, like identity crisis, but then being challenged and then also have all the underlying thing of racism and slavery. And it's a really complex role. And he, it's an unreal performance. I, I, I want to, okay. So I'm going to give you some names here. Yeah. And, and this might, this might piss you off. I don't know. Uh, Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio. Jamie Foxx. I think those three performances are better than Christoph Waltz's and Christoph Waltz wins the Oscar. In the case of Jackson in particular, it's far superior. Waltz, what did he get? He got uh, supporting actor. Yeah. He didn't get, uh, he didn't get actor. Right. So, so Waltz has won two Oscars. He won, of course, yep. for Inglourious Bassett. He yeah. won for this both times supporting right. actor. Um, and we can kind of, I, some of the other categories I want to save for Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. Zero Dark Thirty is yep. in them. But in the case of Sporting Actor, it was not. So we can talk about that a little bit. All right. So Waltz wins, right? Yes. Here's what he was up against. Alan Arkin and Argo, which we saw. Yeah. He's he's okay in that. Yeah. He's nowhere near as good as Samuel Jackson. No. No, I like guess not even like it's not even like an argument. Well, he's not as good as Waltz either. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you there too. Rob De Niro and Silver Linings Playbook. <sighs> which is a very is a... good role. Samuel Jackson is much better. I also believe De Niro is better than Waltz. Oh, well, and also one word hmm. name we have to add in here, DiCaprio was not nominated. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't, I wonder if, <laughs> I wonder if the Academy was like, we can't, we can't do this. So like, were you more, no, is that how, no, 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 no. They would, it, oh no, no cause you would seen, submit it. You would submit it. Yeah, it's all, it's all, like it's all people. Now maybe someone filling out their ballot might be like, oh, I don't want to put yeah, Inglourious uh, Bashes in three times. So let's kind of spread the well. So right. that could happen. Yeah. But the Academy themselves isn't going to make that decision. Do you think DiCaprio is better than Jackson? Is that what you're saying? I don't, I don't. I mean, they're both all time. I don't know. They're both. See, I think Jackson's probably like, Jackson's better. I think Jackson's, Jackson's better. better. Um, I think DiCaprio is good. That but, far. No, I just think DiCaprio. I think it's the. It's it's a. He's a simpler man, so it's a simpler role to play. That's true. Um, he's stupid, but Jackson's not. No, super so, shrewd. In fact, he's like really smart. Yeah, he's really smart. And I think it's a much more difficult role to play. Uh, so this is a movie I haven't seen, but I believe you have. Philip Seymour Hoffman in The Master. I have seen it. So a lot of people uh, say I don't that. I, I, it's so long. I didn't really love that movie. Yeah, I, 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 I'll be. I, I've, seen, I've seen like basically the first like half hour of it, and I just wasn't in the right mindset, so I shut off. 
Uh, it's a movie I think you have to be really be kind of ready to watch. He's always good, but I don't remember that being more memorable than either of the th- three that are in this movie. And here's a movie that I saw, I know you have, and it's Tommy Lee Jones and Lincoln, yep. who's fine, but nowhere near DiCaprio, nowhere near, nowhere near Waltz. So Jamie Fo- so <sighs> Jamie Foxx would have been up for, uh, uh, for, actor. for actor. Right. Which, you know, you wonder if Waltz should uh, have that, been up for That's actor. what I mean. Waltz should have been actor. So here's, what, here's what, how actor will, by the way, neither of them would have won. Daniel Day-Lewis won for Lincoln, which he was going to win in, in yeah. which is a, which is like, uh, I know it's he's annoying. very, he's, look, he's great as Lincoln, but it also, it's like, all right, another like historical performance. It's a story we already know. I don't know. Uh, Bradley Cooper in Silver Linings Playbook. Who's awesome. Who I think he's better than Day-Lewis in Lincoln. I'm sure someone might have driven off the cross road here right now. But I'd say, <laughs> sorry, sorry, yes. uh, I think movie I think you've seen, I haven't. Hugh Jackman in Les Mis. I haven't actually seen that. Yeah, no, I've seen some of the performances from there, but uh, no, I have not seen the entire movie. I don't know. Joaquin Phoenix in The Master. Again, I wasn't blown away by that movie and he's fine. I I have to say that I watched the movie again. I just can't, I can't get into it. Uh, And then Denzel Washington for Flight. Now Denzel's- Denzel's very good at that movie. The movie's terrible. Uh, the movie's not good. I shouldn't say terrible. It's it's very bad. Yeah. Say, yeah. It's not trash, but it's, no, he's very it's not good. far from trash. If he wasn't in that movie, it would be trash. Yes. He's literally the only, which is wild, because that movie, we'll talk about it on, on the Patreon show. That movie got nominated for Best Screenplay. Did it really? Yeah. That which does, is fucking wild. That, that, that doesn't work. That screenplay sucks. That, that doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, Direction's terrible. And I like Zemeckis. That movie is, that movie is shit. Yeah, he's, he's good, the only, He is good. He's good, movie. but not good, and not, 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 not better than, um, no. But Waltz, yeah, for, for, sorry. So it wasn't just the Oscars. Um, I would have felt better if Waltz was nominated for actor, and then the other two, Samuel and, and, uh, and Leo were nominated for, um, supporting actor. I have problems with Jamie Foxx not being in the actor category, too. I think he's good here, but I've seen him better in other stuff. Like, he's better in Ray, honestly. I haven't seen Ray. Re- yeah, I know, yeah. I mean, music biopics, like, I, I. See, I, I'm with you on that. I won't see the Queen one. Well, I don't like biopics at all. I should say, I'm not a big. It's more that than anything yeah, else. I'm but, not a big. I mean, uh, but I, I, but I should. Hopefully, we do run into it. I, I would be excited to see it for the show. Yeah, I'd be excited to see the, the um, Freddie Mercury one for the show. Too. Yeah. Um, but like, Jamie Foxx, so like, like, to me, it's a more interesting performance than like. I, I get Dave Lewis is amazing as Lincoln, so I, maybe it's not being fair, but it's just like, uh, but it's another biopic. I mean, I may just have biopic. Well, yeah, but Lincoln, we have a lot of material to work with. I mean, Daniel Lewis is a great actor, but like Fox is to create that character from exactly. Scratch. Like that's a, right. that's a much bigger challenge. The only thing that's hard is he's so muted in in this character. I know that's just the way that it was written. And Jamie Foxx is good. I just think I don't I don't think it's as stand out. But he's not at the end though. Like at the end, he's like really flashy and but he in is. the beginning. So I, I think that journey is really for him to kind of pull that off is 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 not easy to do. I agree. Um, I like Waltz better, honestly. I know, uh, and uh, but I do I. Ugh, I, I really I just, like Waltz. I have to agree that he's third best at this, though. All right, I, I, all right I'll take that. I'll yeah, take that. I'll take that. I really love Waltz in this movie, though. He's very good in this movie. He's he's. I just I think he's like I think he's much better in Bastards. Well, that's well, because it's, it's, that's maybe it's a much, it's a better role. <laughs> it's like best, a media role. That's the best scene, you know, opening scene ever. Yeah. Maybe I mean, he, he, who's he, a better he villain? It. Waltz as Landa or Jackson as uh, as Steven? Jackson, but not by much. So we're putting then, so because we had this discussion when we did Bastards, who are some of the greatest villains ever? We had like Hannibal Lecter in there. You said Darth Vader. Yeah. I put Steven in, in that, in that like same ballpark. It's just because he's not the, he's not like the main villain. Never, no one ever, which but, is strange. Right. Because DiCaprio really is. And he's great. And he's great, but he's not, you know, he's the guy underneath. And uh, so that's why it's hard to, he doesn't have, he's, he's just not as elevated as some of the other 
devilish characters that we've run into. He's so he he's really awesome. He's really great. Uh, it's like I said, it's a shame that I, I believe Samuel Jackson's only had the one Oscar nomination for Pulp Fiction. I believe uh, it's a shame that he hasn't gotten more. I guess it's he did get the one for I believe yes for Pulp Fiction. Yeah, I, I mean he's got one. I guess, but it's just like oh, I mean, I see some of these performances, and you're like, what was the Grism uh, movie that that uh, we were we uh, we had to watch with uh, McConaughey and um, Samuel Jackson and um, oh. A time to kill. He's but good he, in that. He, he's you're right. He's like the he's redeeming. The best, he's the best yes. part of that movie. He is, and that's a different kind of role too. It really is. But the problem is, he does snakes on a plane. He does the Marvel, Marvel movies. He does. He's like he's got a lot of them. Uh, did you ever watch? Um, was it? Was it? Black Smoke Moon or or, oh, Bla- uh, or yeah, what the Black, Black Snake Moon. Black Snake Moon with the Christina Ricci. Well, another different it. one too. Yeah. It, that he's he's it's like an interesting movie and he's an interesting character in. Yes. He's, he's got great range. I just don't understand why he takes all the roles he takes. Oh, I mean, I guess money. <laughs> I yeah, mean, I guess. Uh, but you can see why Tarantino loves work with him. I mean, no one, no one reads the lines from a Tarantino script better than than Samuel Jackson. No, no one. Like he, he just manages to hit it exactly right. And this movie was just even like I was like I was really transfixed by Jackson's character. I was like really blown away by it. I was even like watching like watching him in the background. Just like how he's like. Yeah. He's like, he tries to like fit in with yes. like the, the white crowd and he's trying to like, um, like no, like he's, he's like idolizes DiCaprio as candy, but then also he kind of, he kind of hates him in a way of course. and he's doing all these things with his eyes and with his like body movements and stuff. It's really interesting. It's like, Oh wow. Like he's over his shoulder class. during the dinner and like yeah. kind of repeating him a little bit. Yep. But it's almost like he's also like the puppet master too. Yeah. But it's also very much like the sir. It's it's really like it's a really interesting, like heavily layered role that I feel like doesn't get the respect it deserves. You know what's so interesting too is when he calls uh, Candy into the back room after he figures out what's actually going on, and he's just sitting in the chair all relaxed with like a brandy. Well, it was a hand. great thing. The, um, Tarantino was obviously genius. There's a few great shots, and we have many great shots. Oh, this, this is one of them. The focus is on the back of. Samuel Jackson's head. Yes. And then the focus shifts when Candy walks in the room. Yes. It's a really interesting thing that you don't typically see. Because I'll be like, oh, it's a mistake. Like, they try not to have focus shift like that. Yeah. You, know, you might do it yourself with your iPhone, but it, you know, but obviously Tarantino is doing it for, for effect. But it's, it's very, it's a very interesting effect. And it's shot right from the back of his head, almost yeah. like Marcellus Wallace in Pulp Fiction. It's that's right. The back of his head um, to show power. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's, it's, it's Candy that's entering the room. Yeah. Uh, Steven's sitting down. Right with the with the drink, and you can so see good. when they have the discussion, like Stevens calling the shots. He is, and Candy is at that point. You know, he's almost a servant. Um, it's a very weird, interesting dynamic relationship they have. Well, because he does exactly what what uh, what what Stephen wants him to do. After that, he's like, yeah. "You got to do," and he, do, and he, oh, he does. does it. Oh, he does the impression. He's and like, he, "Ah, yeah, yeah." And he does it phenomenally well in his own right. When he takes the skull out of the bag, yeah, and smat, like he he, he just does and of course, it. I think everyone knows, but the, you know, he smashes the glass with his hand, yeah, and he actually DiCaprio really did injure his hand uh, in that scene, and you know, his hands covered, but he kept he kept doing the scene, right? Um, but of course, when he wipes the blood on, yeah, um, on Carrie Wash, that's fake blood. Oh, you can't, you're right. um, but you can see at one point though he's picking glass out of his hand. It actually is real glass picking out of his hand. He also, you know, DiCaprio almost looks like bemused while he's doing it. Um, but it, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a, I mean, the performances of this movie are, are top shelf. This I mean, is a, a phenomenal cast. I mean, even yeah. Don Johnson in this, in this he's small, good. he's so good. That whole scene is amazing where, uh, where <laughs> with they the go three, and trick the him and brutal brothers. Yeah. Brutal brothers. I love the conversation he, that he has too, with his, 
his fellow clansmen, you know, they're all kind of hyped up because they can't see out of the out of the masks. Yeah. And he's, and, and he's like, now, no, you know, because one of the wives cut them. Right. And spent all this time doing it. And and uh, and Don Johnson's just like, not, you know, we're not taking away from what Jenny did to us. Right, like, right. There's like a lot of humor there, too. It's and, good. Yeah, it's a good scene. Jordan Hill's in that scene, too. Yeah. Oh, to yeah, see. he's fine. Um, yeah, that, the, the movie movie does, like I said, the first hour, I think, is especially is very, very, very good. Um, key, it's funny because then, you know, I, I like even like, I really actually really enjoy this movie a lot up until DiCaprio and, and Walt died. And it's like, eh. Yeah, I just—it's just frustrating. I just feel like I feel like I'm getting strung along. I just don't—I mm. don't like that. Very okay, much. but um, uh oh, another great shot. This movie I, I did want to mention. Um, brilliant shot. It's a, a shot of a, a hangman's noose as Walt and Jamie as uh, Walt and Django uh, walk into town, right, right in town, and then Django's head passes by the noose at just the right <laughs> frame. So it looks like his head is in the noose yeah. for a split second. It's like, oh, that's right. Like, it's just like, it's, you know, it's reminding you, hey, you know, black people were lynched. Like, some horrible shit happened. But without having to, like, tell us that, I can kind of just, Tarantino can just, like, quietly show us that. This thing, like, everyone thinks, like, Tarantino's all about dialogue. Like, that'll be, as like, his first thing on his, you know, when he dies in New York Times, um, you know, obituary is going to be, and his dialogue is amazing. Well, it's, for it's sure. Like, it's like, you fantastic. can't, like, you could, you could put him up against anybody. You could say yeah. his dialogue is. It's, it's amazing. And he's won numerous Oscars for his screenplays. They're great. But, you know, people forget, though, is how great of a director he is and how amazing his shots are. Uh, especially, you know, think of, like, Kill Bill. It's, you know, it's the weakest movie that we've covered so far of Tarantino's. Uh, we did we did both of them. We did one and two as, you know, back-to-back yeah, weeks. We, right. we think of them as one. It's not right. Tarantino intended them. Uh, but that movie had just some, some of those beautiful shots you're going to see in in film. Uh, this movie did, too, some of the Wyoming stuff. Um, some, oh, my God. You know, I know they were in, they actually shot that in Wyoming. They shot some stuff in California and they shot some stuff. The candy stuff was all in, uh, in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, some of those, some of the scenes, the shots, are just, they're just fantastic. They're, they're expertly done. The running shot in the dark with, um, with, with Django and Broomhilda as they're running away, running away from the first time is a, is just, it's, it is breathtaking shot. Um, it's a great shot. The mob coming out. The fire them. behind yeah. them. It's just it's a crazy shot. It, it's a cra- it's a terrifying shot. There's absolutely. A, there's a really great one of um it's a tracking shot following Django as he's um going to kill the what are the brothers' names? The Brittle Brothers. Brittle Brothers, you see him walking, walks past a, a woman with a swing, and it's just such an intense scene because you know there's gonna be a confrontation after that. We've already seen what these guys have done to him and Broomhilda as he and and Django begging for him, you know, for them not to whip his wife. Um, that shot is just that tracking shot is so good. Which Jamie Foxx, by the way, said that scene where they do whip Carrie Washington. He's like, that, that was the uh, he said that was the um, like the most painful scene he's ever done in film and any movie he's ever done. I mean, it's it's shocking. It is. She screams like she screams. It's, it's, it's yeah, shocking. Carrie Washington's very good in this, by the very way. good. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I the great, she's fantastic in that scene with uh, with Waltz when he's about to tell her Jane goes on the other side of the door. Yeah, like sh- just her eyes, she's just she does a, a fantastic job. This is a really, this might be, is this, I mean, this, this might be the best cast. Like, I don't, not the most like talented cast necessarily, like, but the best casted movie. Is there a bad performance? No, that's what I mean. I can't think of one. I mean, like Jackie Brown is really expertly cast as well. It is. Um, He does a good job. Like like you think about, you know, uh, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but there's some scenes like Lena Dunham is in like a small scene with the, when they're at the Manson Ranch. I'm sorry, not the, uh, not the man's, uh, what's the, I forget the name of the ranch. Yeah, I can't sorry. remember. The, you his, know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, his buddies, or 
Yeah, I'm yeah. trying to forget. Like the name. Uh, but that, like, so there's some stuff there. It's a little bit, eh, not not quite. And then like the some of the bastards. It's like, uh, it's like was it Eli Roth? He's like, yeah. it's like uh, a little too hammy a little for too me. Much. Um, but this you got like Walter Goggins playing this. Bit Walton part, Goggins or Walton, sorry, who's, who's, who's so good. He's so so he is. He's awesome. Yeah. So have you ever seen the show on HBO Vice Principals? I don't know that one. I saw him in Justified. He was in, I saw yes, a few, few seasons he was of most known for. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's a show on HBO called uh, with Danny McBride and uh, Danny McBride's Eastbound like and Down. It's funny, but sometimes it's a little like, for, I really liked, I love Vice Principals. Yeah. I think it's one of the funniest comedies uh, on TV uh, in the last 15 years. What show? Uh, what, what's, what channel? Did you it's say on HBO. I wonder if it's uh, on HBO Max. If it is, it is I'm sure. It's okay. only two seasons. Yeah. Um, half hour, uh, Shows there, it's it's great. It's really good. I have to check that out. Looking for just a like a, but it, it it goes down some dark paths. But basically, Danny McBride and Walton Goggins are both um, vice principals, angling to become the principal at this yeah. school. But Goggins has this like devil, like he has this like evil quality like underneath him. He does, and it's in it's on display here in this film. Obviously, it's not as hidden in this film. But he's he's like a he's really good. Yeah. I guess he really wanted this part and he had to like beg, borrow and steal to get in front of Tarantino to do an audition for this and like did everything he could. I'm so glad he did because he's a, because I know I feel like I said at the end of the movie, I feel like I'm getting strong along. He's one of the strong points in that the end of the movie, we're like, all right, cool. Like this guy's still in here. This guy's really evil. Yeah. Like I can, he, he's, he's good. He's very he's good. good. He's great. Yeah. So no bad performances, I don't think. Uh, other than Tarantino doing Australian Wait, Okay, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what the fuck? Come on, Quinn, you don't need to do this. You don't need to go in the movie. Uh, you just don't do it. Yeah, I mean, Tarantino always gets great casts for sure. So, I mean, it's it's definitely a tough, tough argument here, which which is the best. Um, but, man, oh, man, this is, about as, this is about as perfectly cast as it gets. And this is one of his most beautifully shot movies. I think so, too. The other one is uh, I really love the Don Quixote nature of them going across the land with the, the tooth... Oh, it's, 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 so, it's so funny and weird. It's perfect. It's so Swinging great. In the breeze. The tooth on the spr- on the spring on the wagon. Yeah, it's so great. Um, <laughs> what? So this is. I did want to mention this. This is the first um, movie that uh, Tarantino's done without Sally Mankey. Sally yeah. Mankey, of course, is the film editor. She even did. Um, she edited Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which we've done in our <laughs> earlier show. Uh, but Sally Mankey is one of the great editors of, of all time. She died tragically. Um, uh, she was, uh, hiking with her dog and her friend in LA, uh, uh, be- between, obviously between bastards and this, it's like 2010 maybe. And, uh, incredibly hot day. The friend's like, ah, it's hot. I don't feel like I'm going to go home. She's like, I'm going to finish the hike here. And, uh, Sally returned home. They found her dog alive next to her and she was dead. She, they said heat related. It was 119 degrees, 113 degrees in LA. That day. Like, LA doesn't usually get that hot. So it's a very strange hot day in LA or at least where she was, and um, she died. And then Tarantino, this movie, I believe the editor here is Fred Gaskin. I think he's worked with him moving forward. But Gaskin was, a, uh, his mentor was Sally Mankey. So mm. it does still, it really doesn't feel that different. It can tell like, no. you know, like it kind of keeps the same. It doesn't feel like, it feels like a Tarantino movie still. And uh, you've got uh, Robert Richardson too, who's yes, the, the cinematographer here, yes. who's done, who did Kill Bill. He did Casino, Platoon, both shot really well. Yeah, Richardson's Born on the 4th of July. He's done a bunch of awesome stuff and Scorsese stuff too. Yes, yeah. Uh, um, the other thing I wanted to say is the music is amazing as well. Fantastic. I love them going to I Got a Name, yeah. which is a Jim Croce oh. song. It's that- like heartbreaking and wonderful all at the same time. It's, it's- As he's getting dressed in his like new outfit and ready to, ready to go out of the world and conquer the world. 
It's so good. So 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 that's my favorite Croce song. Yeah, um, it's a great one. It's a song I've always loved. It's a beautiful song. And here's how like it just shows you how powerful that movie, this movie is in that scene is. Now when I hear that song, I actually think of this movie, which is wild. Because <laughs> I've heard that song my entire life. I've always loved that song. Yeah, it's a great one. And now when I hear that, the very first thing I think is is this movie. It's funny to because when you hear an anachronism like that, when you hear a a, a, a song that's out of place in time, it really hits you. I mean, you're getting a lot of spaghetti western through here, um, like. Uh, More corny stuff. Yeah, throughout a lot of it. But when you hear a, a pop song from the, you know, from the seventies, it really like kind of. Or so there's a modern stuff. There's a John Legend song in this movie. There's oh, a, is there? Yeah, there is. There's, yeah. A, there's some modern yeah. stuff too, and then he also makes in some stuff for the seventies. It's a really uh, interesting. I've listened to the soundtrack before. I've had I had it on streaming. It's, it's a it's an interesting listen. Yeah. Um. Uh. It's it's a very it's music's perfect. This is a really great movie. I, get, I know I know a little critical about the ending there, uh, and I'm you know, a little bit annoyed. It's maybe that Samuel, it's not the movie's fault. Samuel Jackson doesn't get enough attention. I mean, it just wasn't going to be, I guess, in the cards. I mean, Waltz won the BAFTA. Waltz won the Golden Globe. Yeah. He won it. Like, it just, it just was what it was. And I guess it's good the movie at least won two Academy Awards. Um, we'll talk more about the Oscars in tomorrow's show. But, um, but the ending does annoy me. But, I mean, other than that, though, I mean, this movie's... Great. I mean, it's in my top 50 movies of all time. It's an A minus, barely. If you want to say it's an A, I'm fine with that. If, you know, I, I don't, you know, whatever. It's a yeah, great movie. I definitely brilliant. give it an A. It's brilliant. I, mean. I definitely give it an A. I like it more than Glorious Bastards. This is the third time I saw it as well. I've seen it more recently because I wanted to see it again like a year ago and, and checked it out. But uh, I, yeah, it's it uh, it's grown on me over time. I think I just think it's a brilliant movie. I think, I think I gave Bastards an A minus. I'm actually going to revise that on this episode. I'm going to bump it up to an A. Um, I'm not sure we could do, but okay. Yeah, just because I, I do see these movies together a lot. And I, for some reason, I just always, I just, my brain is how I compare them. And I did want to see this again, but I'm like, no, no, Bastards is actually, I think, is, is, is better than this. Like, I wouldn't say I'm going to say like substantially better, but it's better than this. And if that's the case, and this is a, you know, this is a borderline, my, Bastards is, like, the more, the more I think about Bastards and, and just like let it resonate, the more I'm like, I'm really just taken with it. And I'm like, oh, this is a really, really great movie. It's a great um, one. But I mean, that's nothing against this movie. It's just, it's just, you know, one has to be better, I yeah. guess. Uh, you know, this, this is a fun, you know, so after this movie does Hateful Eight, um, which I'm sure we'll cover eventually. I just did not like that movie very much. I was very disappointed with it. Um, I've only seen it once, so maybe I just need to see it again. But um, that, really was, that, it. that was disappointing to me. Um, and then obviously I, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, you know, more than, more than most people do, but I, I really love that movie. But, um, uh, but and, you know, after he had done Grindhouse, and I didn't, you know, Kill Bill, we both, what do we, that like a B plus to B? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's okay. It's, it's the good. action it's, is phenomenal. Uma Thurman's great. Maybe both say good, not great yeah. on, on Kill Bill. So then to have, to have Grindhouse follow that, which is, which is a bad movie. It's like, oh man, like, or not even bad, it's not fair, but like, it's not good. I'll put it that way. It's like, oh, like, you know, so then to have Bastards, then have this one come in. I remember when I walked out of the theaters after this, I was so happy. I'm like, oh shit, like Tarantino is like back, back. Um, so th this is a fun, these two movies, are a fun little kind of part in Tarantino's like uh, legacy. It's a, it's a, it's a good like one, two punch there. It is. Um, and Waltz is obviously a major part of both of them. So it's, it's a, it's a fun little, it's, they're fun. They're, it's a fun little like one, two combo. I'm, I'm really curious to see in like 20, 30 years when, when Tarantino has gone or whatever, he's not not making movies anymore. How people look back on these movies. Will they look at them as one, two, like, almost like cousin movies or they, will they look at them? I mean, I'm just curious. They have to be because they're thematically very similar. Like I mean, he's going to be the one director, I think. Well, Scorsese, uh, obviously, but I think more for his older stuff, maybe not for this time, but as far as this time, like 
Nolan, maybe. Although I can see Nolan movies like falling by the wayside more than Tarantino ones will. Um, well, our tar- <laughs> like fifty years Tarantino's now. Tarantino's are more artistic, so people would study these movies. I think you're I don't right. know that you would with Dark. I don't know because the Dark Knight trilogy is pretty awesome. I can see that being like fifty years from now. That might not have. You the think same. it won't have? The I same. don't know. I, yeah, I maybe just, not. I, I feel like time goes on too. Like, even like I'm mean, even like watching the last twenty years. I feel like Nolan movies have not gotten the same respect they did when they first came out, or when they, like I feel like his name is slowly like. Obviously, Dunk. Look, Christopher Nolan's one of the premier filmmakers in in America, America for sure, no question, or whatever in the world. I know he's British, but uh, for sure. But I feel like some 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 of the shine has come off. Where I feel like Tarantino's like a legacy is still very cemented. Um, oh yeah. Well, it's because he he made. I mean, all of his, with the exception of with a few exceptions, yes, they're, they're pretty much all. Close to gold to, yes. to almost part two. Mo- a lot of his films, you could say, this is my favorite movie and you would be okay saying that. Four of his movies, you could. Yeah. Maybe five. You could yeah. say it about this and Glorious Bastards. You could say it about Pulp Fiction. You could say it about Jackie Brown. People say it about Rosewater Dogs too. You could say that too. Jay- saying Jackie Brown's favorite movie might get some, might get some head turns. Um, I love it. but Yeah, it's a great um, movie. But some people might be like, wait, what? A little bit, maybe? I don't know. Oh, Jackie I'm Brown's. You could say it. That's the difference between Nolan and, and Tarantino. Like Jackie Brown has gotten higher and higher in esteem yeah. since it came out. Right. Where it, like like I, like you look at like Memento or some of some of the Nolan movies. I feel a Memento maybe has hung around, I but like, Memento. Um, like in Insomnia has like fallen away. And um, uh, I'm sorry, my God, what's the uh, what's Inception? The, thank you. Yeah. Um, that I feel like people are like eh, I think people feel like they were dicked around, and I think people are like I think in time just don't like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I, I, but I, I do love like, you know, Scorsese's with Goodfellas, Taxi Driver, he's cemented, right? Yeah. Um, and obviously Hitchcock is cemented. You know, you go yeah. through, the, you know. But I think like, Tarantino is the guy that's going to be our takeaway from this. Where like, a lot of people don't watch movies from the 50s and 40s. I get it. And they're older, you know, black and white, some of them and whatever. But, like Hitchcock is one like, all right, I'll check out Hitchcock. Because like that kind of, you can watch Rear Window and it's still suspenseful. It's still amazing. It's still great. Sure. Um, Psycho is... Yeah, you know, black and white, yeah. whatever. But like, it's still like you can see how that's like a startling film. Yes, um, and it's a kind of. I think Tarantino movies like fifty years now. People are like, all right, I, I don't really watch a lot of '90s or two, early 2000s cinema, but I'll check out Tarantino. Yeah, most other directors will have a. You could say some of my favorite directors of this time period. You could say have a few like really great movies. Yeah, but they're not all. Like, you don't have ten movies that are all like high quality, right? Movies. And Tarantino has like six or seven. Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's it's pretty. And even the movies that don't. Uh, well, see, I, I other than Grindhouse, yeah. Even like Heath Light and Kill Bill, which I don't love, there's some interesting things about them that at least get you. Like, I'd love to cover Heath Light for the show. A, I want to see it again, and B, because there's a lot to say about it. Yeah. Now, you may not agree that I think it, you know I think it was like too angry and too nasty. As like as I like, kind of just like my like, whoever like when he wrote this, he must have been in, like in a bad place. Like this is just a weirdly it angry nasty. movie. Yeah, it is. Like for almost for no point. But like, but you can have that discussion. It's a back and forth. You can talk about the landscapes. There's a lot yeah. you can talk about. Oh yeah. You know, and if that's like your eighth best movie and you can still have a really interesting conversation about it, that's pretty fucking good. Agreed. Um, that's what's so much fun on this show is when we can cover movies like this and have like really interesting filmmakers. Um, I'm guessing like next week's the Patreon show when we cover it. I've never seen it. Maybe I'm wrong. Like the proposal. I'm guessing we're not going to have this layer of a conversation. It's probably not. No. <laughs> Imagine a character like Samuel L. Jackson's like uh, Stephen in like any rom-com. Like it's so layered and complex and like evil. Like, like it could just be a weird, be very strange. No one would like that. They, it would get really dark really fast, and then uh, people would not like. Maybe that. I'd like. Uh, oh yeah, no, I think it'd be uh, yes. an interesting juxtaposition. But um, uh, no, it wouldn't. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Stephen, phenomenal in here. Uh, 
Yeah. So great, but everyone's great. And, and I don't mean to knock Waltz. He's very good here. Uh, and Matt's, I think Matt likes the performance. Oh, I, I, do, I, I think he's awesome in here. I love, I love Waltz. He's such a warm is, character, such a good, I mean, he's got his moral issues too, but if you think about him no. in his unit, well, yeah, right. killing people for money is kind of like, a, oh, eh, and then that's you, true. no, right. But right. like, it, I understand in his worldview, like I wouldn't feel that way, but in his worldview, I understand his moral compass. It makes complete sense to me. And he's such a warm guy. Yeah, he doesn't have guy. to kill them. They are wanted dead or alive. You could try to keep them alive. You're right. He does kill them. He does have some moral bounty. The, he explains at the beginning the bounty is is kill. Some of them he says. Uh, so there was one of them where he said this one was wanted dead or alive. But I he explains to Jamie Fox kill them. He also kills a guy in front of his son. You don't need to do it then. That's a that's a rough thing, but. I understand, but I understand how he gets there. I understand how he says, well, this guy killed a bunch of people and- Yeah, uh, but you uh, can wait for the kid to go in the house. I mean, like, it wouldn't have been a safe because he, he's out in the middle of the field there. I agree. I agree. But I'm not killing people for money either. But I can understand know, why he would have gotten there. You're right. No, you're right. We, you're, no, you're absolutely right. There is, yeah. there is some, it's so funny. I say no reflexively because I'm just thinking, oh, he's a nice man. I like him. I, I root for King Souls. It's like, no, actually, Chris, he has, there's some darkness there. He's so, got some stuff. There's some stuff going on there. It's not great. Right. Um, uh, yeah, once again, another tribute to Tarantino. We can have this conversation about the hero's moral code and have an interesting discussion. You know, we could, you know, we're going to run out of time here, but you can have like an interesting conversation just about King Schultz's moral journey. Yes. And like what it means. Is he, is he good? Is he bad? Like, you know, how many movies can you have that conversation about? Not very many because most uh, directors or, or production companies or don't, don't um, think we're very smart. So no. they, they just really try to, you know, make movies to the lowest common denominator. And that's what we get a lot of times, but not with Tarantino. I mean, he's really gotten his own way. He could make the movies he wanted to make and thank God because they're the good ones. So they're great. One last thing is going to show you Tarantino's brilliant script. So Dennis Christopher, uh, you might know him if you saw the uh, made for T movie of uh, it. <laughs> he's also done a lot of stuff, but uh, it's when we were introduced to, to candy, uh, Christoph Waltz and Dennis Christopher having conversation and he's like, oh, just so you know, he likes to, he has to go by Mr. Candy. He goes, Monsieur, Monsieur, oh, Monsieur. Candy. Monsieur. And, he, and then uh, Christopher Walsh starts speaking in French. He's like, well, no, no, don't speak in French. <laughs> he doesn't know French. He's just going to embarrass him. <laughs> and he's he's like so that. funny. And it's like, oh, then that's telling us, that, like, this guy's an idiot. Poser. Yeah. He's like, he's, he's just like this fraud. This, yeah. this, this complete moron. Yeah. That can be uh, tricked. And is he, is he doing his sister? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what's happening there. Oh, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah, incest. That seems- uh, and, and, um, but, but it's just like, oh, that's a great way to introduce that this character is stupid in a unique kind of different way that I haven't quite seen before. <laughs> yes. You know, like, it's not, you know, we, you know, we would have learned he was stupid anyway just from, like, watching Candy move around. And DiCaprio is so good at, at kind of playing this as a kind of a doofus that wants to appear smart. But uh, it, it's just, it's just brilliant. It, the script is fantastic. It won the best best screenplay. I just said we'll talk about more on Sunday, but it definitely um, it definitely deserved. It. There's more we could talk about. Really, I have, I have other stuff, but uh, why don't we move on? I All guess. right, such a good one. Uh, shall we get to Taylor Swift? All right, I Knew Your Trouble by uh, Taylor Swift. This is off the album Red. It's her sixth studio album. It's actually the last studio album that she was under contract for with her uh, initial record company. Um, it was, she was signed. You probably know this story. 
or maybe, I don't know how much of a Swift you are, but she was signed by uh, this guy, Scooter Braun, who's a right. talent agent. No, not Scooter Braun, sorry, Scott uh, Borchetta, who oh. started a label. He was working for, he was working for Arista. He wasn't working for Universe. It was some other other record company, but he wanted to start his own. And uh, he saw Taylor um, performing in like some sort of club or whatever. She's like 15 or 16 years old and he wants to sign her, but he doesn't have financial backing yet. He gets that backing in place, makes her like, his first or second signing. And signs her to a 13-year deal uh, with six records. And this is the sixth. And um, so I guess maybe we'll just start there. So they have this relationship. And he owns... So the sixth record contract gives the record company, gives him um, control over, over her masters. Now, a master is like the final recorded product before you duplicate it to all other forms, right? So... Mm -hmm. You take that final master and from that you make all the streaming content, you make all the, the CDs or whatever you're going to make. Um, and so to own those masters is really powerful because that's where, you know, when you want licensing, that's where you're going to get it from. Um, plus you're always going to get cut into any sort of reproduction. This is what Michael Jackson bought from, he brought the Beatles he masters. He the Beatles masters, yes. Famously, Paul so McCart powerful. He asked Pastor Paul McCartney, what would be a wise investment? McCartney was kind of joking around. He said, well, you could buy the Beatles library. <laughs> right. He's like, hmm. So yeah, so Jackson bought the masters yes. there. So this is similar here. Well, not similar, but yeah. And at one, so by the time this record comes out, she is eighty percent of the revenue for this record company. So these wow. masters are worth a shit ton. I mean, she put them on the map. Yeah. Like her first album, um, I think she was sixteen or seventeen when her first album came out, and that one. I mean, it did. It took a little while, but it ended up selling like seven million copies. It put them on the map. It yeah. it gave them you know, the revenue where they could go and sign out. Sign this initial guy. So, so the initial guy was just the, he was Borchetta. And this is the guy that ran this the record company. He did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And he was a talent manager. He was her right. manager, all that, or uh, not her man, but eventually became her sort of her talent manager. Her dad um, is, her, is her manager, but so he wants to sell it. Um, sell writer, the masters or sell no, the he wants company. to sell the record company. Okay. And what ends up happening is apparently Taylor Swift isn't, she knows how valuable her masters are. Cause you, once you get a couple albums in and she's a one, she's a huge star. These masters are making a shit ton of money for this company. She, she wants them. She wants, so she offers to buy them. And the deal was from Borchetta. If you want to buy them, you have to sign a new contract. So we want you for another 10 years. Whoa. And, and she's like, I'm not going to do that because I, I should be a free agent. Like I should go to free agency and see what the deals are out there. Mm. Plus maybe I want to do my own stuff or, or whatever. Like, she knows she's like, she's one of the biggest pop stars in the world. She's, she should command this shit. But, um, but they signed a deal. I mean, it's not his, like he, he has the rights to it, but she, but what ends up happening is he ends up selling the record company to the first guy I said, Scooter Braun. Okay. This is where, okay. yeah, this is where I come in to start. Okay. Or at least I'm so he bought, it's called big machine records. That's the name of the company. Okay. And from, uh, Scott Porchetta and apparently, and she, she just gets livid. She is just angry because she's like, I wanted those masters. And this guy, apparently this guy's got a reputation. I don't know. It's, it's hard to know. You get a lot of he said, she said, and she's got so much power and her, her Swifties are so angry. Like they were sending this guy, Scooter Braun, death threats. Um, they're so, like so angry. And she could, she, she could just really generate the mob against him. She wrote a blog post decrying him. I didn't read it, but uh, you know. So, so it's hard, all, it's hard this, to know. All the Scooter Braun did, guy then, so I didn't know this whole story. Yeah. All Scooter Braun did was just buy, he just bought it. He's just yes. like, so he, I wonder if he's just like, oh man, what the fuck did I buy? Like this kind of uh -huh. sucks. And for $300 million too. Yeah. 
So this is not a this is not a little deal. This record company. I mean, it's, and you a lot 80, of it's hers. Yeah, and eighty percent. So you're basically buying yeah, Taylor Swift's right. company. And you think about this huge deal. It's not just his money. He needs to get investors together. You know, get a holding company in place. Like do all this stuff. Negotiations. This is probably a deal. Maybe it took a year. I think it was the record company was on the market for a while before the investor groups come. It's like buying a like a hockey. Um, 300 million, probably some hockey, uh, yeah, maybe not anymore. No, maybe not anymore. Yeah. What were the, uh, Rays bought for? Oh, not anymore. Baseball okay, is okay. now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, um, 10, 10 years ago, maybe, 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 yeah. It's all right. Well, still not that far away. Okay. Um, hundreds of millions of that. That's a, that's a that's, big that's deal. A Takes a while. A lot of negotiations. Lawyers up the wazoo. It's an intense process. She feels slighted by this brawn guy, but I don't know how much is because he got her masters when she wanted her masters. She was saying, well, they never negotiated in good faith. Of course, I'm not going to get, you know, sign a 10 year deal with yeah. them, but it's like, he owned the masters. You signed that deal and you were, you know, you were 15 years old at the time. You were, you were nobody like nobody knew who you were then. So but they were taking, nobody too, the record company. Yeah. But they fronted money for her to like record and promote and do all sorts of stuff. So if they're putting money up front, the record companies have been screwing I talent know, forever. I I'm know. almost always going to side with the talent. I know, but um, I know. But she also has a tremendous amount of power right now and very spiteful. Well, yeah, but well, it's about, but that's the only way that- I know. But I just mean- How many people who didn't have power got fucked over? I agree. But that doesn't mean that was the situ that was this situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's the whole thing. Is unless someone comes out and speaks out against the record companies and like how- but this was an independent label for a while. Then they got backing, I think, through Universal or something. I can't remember how that worked out. But I just think they like- should have, I don't know, man. I, 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 this sounds kind of, I don't know. I, I didn't think well, tell, I mean, tell me what you think. Here. I just think, you know, like the guy, you know, if they were, if this is a partnership, she was 80% of their revenue, right? Yeah. And she's like, hey, I'll buy this from you. Like, I mean, I guess that we don't know what she was offering. I'm guessing it was a decent, like, it's just too bad they couldn't, they couldn't work that out there. But he was selling the record company anyway. And he's trying to think to himself, okay, I need to recoup. I need to right. set myself up and my family up. I know 300 million sounds like a lot of money, but he's probably got partners and investors right. too. In fact, oh, yeah, of course. Um, her dad, the manager had 4% ownership in this company anyway. So there, there, you know, there's inv investors and stuff. I'm sure he was just like, I put all my time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears, just like she did for, but yeah. this is my company. This is my baby. I did this. Like I broke her. I, um, it's her talent, of course, but like, you know, um, and he wanted, I'm, I don't know, but I'm assuming he just wanted the right revenue for, for what it was. And if she weren't going to commit, she wasn't going to give him $300 million for her masters. You know what I mean? Right. She wasn't going to give him $240 million, yeah. whatever the 80% right, split right. of that is. Um, right, right, right. $240,000 million. She is wasn't going to do that. I just wonder, like, what, so the Scooter Braun guy who, um, and he's obviously, he's been in the record company, record business for a long time. Yeah. Uh, and he, he uh, like, you know, when you're buying, he obviously knew that this was going to be, he going to get some heat when he does this. Like, what are you thinking buying? I know, I wonder. Do you really want to deal? Like, I, I would stay away. I wouldn't want to deal with this. <sighs> He saw the value there, though. I mean, if if he does it right, he ended up flipping the masters. He sold the, just the master. So he bought, buys the company for three hundred million dollars. Okay, sells just the masters for three hundred million dollars. Oh shit! So I mean, you you he's looking. He probably looked at the revenue. Like, what are revenue expectations from? So he doesn't own the masters, masters anymore. No. Who owns it now? Um, not her. He offered oh, to buy. It. He offered to buy it, her to buy it, but maybe she doesn't have. She probably doesn't have that. Um, so then, oh, that's not good. Why didn't she buy it? Well, she she probably doesn't have, have that. So Disney basically owns them now. So does she hate Disney I now? I think, um, yeah. I mean, yes. Uh, because, 
So she refused. She was even invited to be part of the investor group that bought the masters and she refused at a principal. So you couldn't, she wouldn't even take part ownership of her masters, which seems like well, a, I can understand that. Yeah, no, but I, I understand. I understand a fuck you, but, but, not a, but not a fuck you. If you own 10, at least, at least you own a yeah, part of it. Now you own like, now, but that, but maybe that, you that own would that drive me fucking crazy. If someone else owned 90% of my work and I got to negotiate well, with them. What's that? Yeah, but it's a group of, well, she's got to negotiate with them now. No, no, but I mean like every, but they're like, hey, we want to use this in an ad. And you're like, well, I don't want to use, then you're in those meetings. And I like, know. It's like, well, I, it's, and they're like, well, we're going to do it because we got nine, 90% of us say yes, you got 10%. Right. And then you got like, I, I would fucking put my fist through wall. I, like, I would Mental too. health alone. I would not either. You're all in or you're all out. Like, I understand that. I would feel the same way. I think my, my pride would get in the way and I, I would start like lighting shit on fire. I would be really angry with that arrangement too, but. I don't, but I think that's thinking with your heart and not your head. I think thinking as a business person, you would want to own. I get it, but I think as, yeah. as a business person, you want to I think, I think own. as a human being, you gotta be like, I, I couldn't, I, I, I would yeah. not, I couldn't do that. I, I don't know if I could either. I'd probably, I probably would go crazy Yeah, that, that would drive me crazy. Yeah. You're constantly in these meetings. So that sounds awful. It does. So didn't she say she was going to redo her master's? <laughs> so that's the thing. So she's like, okay, fuck y'all. I'm going to, I'm going to re- record every single one of those six albums I don't have control of the masters of, and I'm going to sink the value of my old recordings. So the first one, um, her first album is called- She wrote the music, so she has a songwriting credit, so she can do that, right? She, yeah, wrote or co-wrote. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, or if she got permission from the, yeah. the songwriters, yeah. Um, the first one she did, God damn it. I'm trying to find the name of the album. Was it fearless? I think it was her first album. So she, that was the, that was her first album and she re-recorded it and released it in February of this year. So how did that do? Did people like buy that? So the first version of fearless, the 2000, I don't know when it was six or seven sure. version of it was still charting at 157 on the hot 200. Oh I mean, that's ridiculous. Yes. And she blew it away oh, and wow. knocked it right the fuck off the charts. Gone. So she's, uh, so the new one's charting. <laughs> yeah, but like if you're like, whatever, let's say you're, see, I, I don't know. A, well, two, two ways. A, this is sad that someone who's created, who, ha, who, I, I think Taylor, by the way, I think Taylor Swift is fine. I don't she's love Taylor Swift. No. I don't hate Taylor Swift. No, I actually think fine. the song is pretty good. Yeah. Um, some of the stuff is, eh. Yeah. Um, so she, but whatever, she's, she does, in, you know, whatever. She's it's people, fine. people like her. It's right. fine. Yeah. It's fine. So, um, you know, someone who's doing creative work, writing their own stuff, is kind of wasting her time. You know, like you know what I mean. Like in some ways, it, she's using her creative juices to replicate. That's kind of sad. I wonder. So the masters is different than the recorded tracks. I wonder how much of the initial recorded tracks she just used, or you just pay you pay a, an intern, an intern for like, for uh, for Taylor Swift is you know probably a phenom, right? Probably really talented musician who's just trying to break in could probably play all the instruments on, uh, on this album or program all the instruments on this in like a day in a couple days. Like they could do it pretty quick. And then all it would take is for her to re-record the vocals. So that's not that bad. It's not that, but so, okay. I'm not a singer. You are like, how hard is it? Like, you know, she's 15, she's whatever, 30 now or something. Can you sing like you were when you were 15 and have it be like note for note exact? Is that hard to do? Obviously, you have all the technology at your bequest. But. So they're slightly different. I listened to the first track and compare, try to hear them <laughs> okay. different. And um, so, yeah, she could hit the part. The parts aren't hard. Mm. It's not that. It's more like, uh, yeah, yeah. Once you're used to it, because I'm sure she's still, I'm betting she still sometimes plays some of those songs here and there. Oh, I'm sure. You know what I mean? So, so the hits at least, I'm sure at concerts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was that? 
like, oh, what was the big one from that? The Tim McGraw song or something. Okay. Was there. So I'm sure she could probably still sing those. And then, yeah, you could just, you could get close enough. It doesn't have to be, a, it doesn't have to be perfect. It could be a new, in fact, it's probably better for sales if it's slightly different than the old one. It definitely sounds better. It's mixed better because we're, you know, 14 years ahead. Um, well, let's say, let's say your carnival, see, this is why I don't know if this really tanks the masters a ton or maybe it does. I, I don't know. But like, so let's, let's say your carnival cruise lines. Yeah. Right. It's like, all right, I'm just going to go like, it doesn't, well, I guess now you have two to pick from, right? In theory, yeah. so I guess yeah. that would. I guess the competition would hurt it, right? Yeah, because our licensing would allow us to use both. Right. And I'd make, oh, I'll, and then you don't, actually, you'd almost, you'd almost rather use the new version because you don't want to piss off all the Taylor Swift fans. So it's like, if there is yeah, a- Yeah, because they probably know. There is a, and also Taylor can be like, hey, Carnival didn't go to me. Yeah. They went to Disney. Yeah. Make sure you boycott Carnival. Yep. I guess you, I guess, yeah, I guess you'd really think it out. Maybe, you know- it's a, she it, marks them all too. So not on, not just the album. Did you see this? It no. says like fearless, the Taylor Swift mixers or the Taylor Swift version or oh. something. I can't remember the, the, what it says. And then every single one of the songs, all the tracks on the album, she marks it as like the, the uh, Taylor's version, Taylor's version, Taylor's version. So you can easily see and identify. See, yeah, it's in, uh, super I funny. See, you know, she, you know, Taylor Swift, I said, I think, I think she's fine. I think if you're a fan of Taylor Swift, that's great. You know, uh, you know that, there's a, that's fine. You know, it's not, I don't think it's also something this music really made for Matt or I, you know, where, no. where you know, a lot of her stuff's about being a young woman and that's it, fine. Um, but, uh, and some of the songs, I think like Shake It Off is a fantastic Shake it song. Shake a great it's like one. A great pop Yeah, song. I really love that song. I don't like her other songs very much, but that one's a great I one. I like this one a bit. Um, I mean, it's good. I mean, it's, it's recycled rock. Pop song. It's, 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 it's fine. But, you know, she's a, um, I, it, she's a brilliant businesswoman and she has a real, you know, I, I don't really understand it 100%. Maybe someone, you know, also doesn't understand why I love Tarantino so much. So I get it. But like, she has a real connection to her fans. Yeah. Like they are like rabid. I mean, it's, you know, we, we talk a lot about the Kirk Minahan show and how his fans are rabid. It's that same, like, it's a similar connection. Like these fans will do anything for her. Just like Kirk's fans would do anything for him. Like it's a, it's an interesting, see how some people have that, it's, it almost goes beyond charisma. Like this, like this way to kind of reach out to fans who, who may never meet you. Yeah. But yet would still like, just to feel his connection to. Yeah. yeah. Like, and she obviously has that in just in space. Which I don't know why, because she doesn't seem that charismatic. Like, I when agree. I see her in, um, in. Like know, her video. It's, yeah. It's just like, it doesn't like, you know, doesn't jump off the screen. No. I don't know if like, I don't know if her singing, it's, it seems kind of. It's pretty normal. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing phenomenal about it. But it must just be like, maybe, I mean, it can be as simple as the language she uses when she speaks or Could when be. she writes or the language. I was, the one cool thing is she writes her own music. I think it's really, yeah. really cool. And, Maybe, you know, for for us, Tarantino speaks to us. I, I I mean, like, we both love Tarantino movies. You know, we watch them. We're engaged by so many different layer, levels and layers to it. Movies that are kind of, you know, Matt and I are the perfect age for. We were teenagers when he rose to fame. Like, we, he just speaks to us. Yeah. Uh, maybe Taylor Swift speaks to women 20 to 32, whatever, that age group. Yeah, maybe. And, like, the language she uses and the, the words she says and how she says them, it just that hits that chord. I think they feel, maybe they feel protective of her too. She seems like kind of a gentle soul. Like she doesn't seem, I know that she's, she got into a fight with the media or off, you know, a certain coverage. She got in a fight company. with yeah, yeah. the record company, yeah. right. The record company. And then there was a stuff with her and uh, Katy Perry, of course. Mm -hmm. And, but it's never, but she, I, she doesn't seem like a dark person though. She's, a, she seems like a kind of a gentle person. I don't know. So I wonder if they feel protective. See, of her. I know she never gets in trouble. You know, yeah, not like trouble. that. I mean, not like, like that. No, trouble. And, no, no. and she seems to have. I mean, yeah. I mean, she has so much fame. 
you know, she's a, uh, you know, she's about as famous as you get. In music yeah, right yeah, now. yeah. I mean, she's one of the top. The other thing too is not just fighting the record companies, which just like you're, you know, you feel towards record companies. Most other people probably have a similar feeling like they're exploiting their, their musicians a lot, but she also took on Spotify and the streaming services too, yeah. so, which I mean, I, I just have mixed feelings about, but still Spotify is seen as, as this Goliath. I mean, you don't like, um, not a lot of people, but some people spend my, my music on Spotify here and there. I'll never see any, like, I mean, it's probably not enough maybe, but it's not like I'm going to get my pennies from them. They're just gonna, you know, they'll never send me any, any money, but and so you wonder like how fair their practices are in general. And so when someone oh. who's big speaks up, you're like, okay. So I've read this into helps. this a little bit. Not oh, her good. situation, I, yeah. but like the Spotify. Musicians are furious. Yeah. They're getting paid, you know, pennies on the dollar what yeah. they used to get because of how the streaming services do it and how it's, a, you know, I, I'm complicit. Uh, you know, I use Apple Music and it's the same thing as Spotify yeah, as far as course. the payouts yeah. are concerned. And musicians are, you know, is it, actually we're gonna talk about Grizzly Bear next week. Sure. Um, and we, we talk. I'll talk about it a little bit there. But I read a really interesting piece in New York Magazine about them. Um, you might want to. I'll, I'll yeah, check, check it out. out. It's Maybe really interesting because yeah. they're they're a really intelligent band. And, yeah. Uh, they have they have an interesting. It's basically like how much, like how rich, is like a regular kind of band. Like you know, Grizzly Bear has like a really cult following. They but they're not famous. I'm guessing you may listen to this. You probably, probably never, never, you probably heard never heard that of name. Them. Yeah. Um, but they're like if you're indie rock, they're they're indie rock darlings. And like how, and the, the, the answer was not much, <laughs> right? Like they, you know, they, the few of the guys I think were made like barely six figures, which, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a lot, but you have to you know, figure not agents really. and all the stuff that you pay into. It's, it's really not very and you're much. touring all the time. It's a tough life. And you to, have a short shelf life. Like yes. you're only famous for so long. Yeah. It's not like the Rolling Stones. You're famous for, you know, this is, this is, these are just regular guys. Yeah. Um, and so like a lot of bands like that are like, look, we're barely, you know, when it came, like we make a lot of our money in touring. We weren't getting much from records. Now we're getting pennies on that from the streaming. Right. And no one's buying records anymore. Yeah. They're like, I went to Best Buy um, just this week. I was looking for Jane. No, I was looking, I'm sorry. I was looking for Batman. Yeah. Batman Returns. We did yeah. that one. I'm like, oh, I might as well buy this. And uh, uh, Best Buy like took out o- almost all of their music, if not all their music. And they had, they cut their movies by like uh, 35% or gone. Like, no one's buying I mean, physical media anymore. The turning point is happening. Like it's not, it's so just like, not going to have the physical media. How did these bands make money? Like, you know, we talked about it before on a previous show about how I have records, you know, like Laura and I, we got a record player and records are now becoming ways for Grizzly Bear, some of these bands to make money. And because um, it's uh, the collector's items and a lot yeah, of ways sure, for sure. some people are just right. unique. You know, it's like the last thing you really need a physical thing to, you know, if you like records to, to play. Or like Amanda Palmer, Palmer, another indie darling yeah. who went to Patreon. She was one of the first uh, people who was using Patreon because she could go right directly to her fans. You, you have to do different stuff. You're not making money or license your music. That's the other thing. So but like, someone like Grizzly Bear is making odd music. It would not go in most mainstream movies. Grizzly Bear made the most money in that one year because they sold one song to a commercial. Oh, really? And that's how they made oh, more was, money than I think touring. It, was it must have been this song. Two yeah, weeks. Uh, yeah, it made more money in touring than yeah. it was for them. It made more money in records that year. Like they talk about how that commercial kind of like, like I don't say saved them, but like it was a, it was a life preserver yeah. for them. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know, Grizzly Bear is like, I mean, we're talking about on this show, to, like, yes, they're definitely unknown, but they're not like super, like they're not anonymous. No, they probably can get two to 5,000 people at the right venue. Yeah. Something like that. I would think. Um, and you're like, oh my God, if these guys are barely making it and, you know, more or less, you know, like comparatively, you know, you yeah. know, these guys are need things like commercials to kind of keep them going. 
um, it's like, Jesus, like, what about other people smaller than them? And so when Taylor Swift went off on Spotify, I know a lot of music like, they did about fucking time. Yeah, they did. And, but you know what happened though? I mean, Taylor Swift, yeah. I mean, I give her credit because she's going to be fine no matter what. She's doing it on behalf of a lot of these little people, you know, small, because she's going to be fine no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure this is obviously a, a benefit to her too. I get it. But, you know, if yeah, unless, unless, the big, unless the big artists speak up, like Pearl Jam with Ticketmaster, yeah. you know, unless these big artists speak up, nothing changes. Then again, nothing changes anyway because Spotify no. Ticketmaster still exists. So what the fuck does it matter? But it was a cool move. I mean, she took all of her music yeah. off of Spotify except for one song. And uh, and that was it. And and, and, I, and I love streaming. So, I mean, I, I'd be bummed out if my favorite artist took their stuff off streaming. So I, I get it too. Yeah, I don't know. It's... um. I don't know, being a music fan in like 2021 is difficult because it's like, all right, I can go through your streaming, but like, what other option do we have? That's our option. So like, then we just screw over the- I know, but, and it's such a great, from a consumer standpoint, such a great way about it. I oh, think, yeah. you know, the record come there, it's all that shit's changing, I mean, but it takes time. It takes decades to change. It really does. Uh, now that, now that anybody can make albums in their, you know, in their bedroom, basically, like- I'm not going to lie. So we, right. You're exactly right. The- the streaming stuff is awesome for us, the consumer, yeah. right? Because it's yeah. amazing. We have, we have an yeah. entire... You know. I get everything. Yeah, I was... Because I don't have to organize it. I, I, you know, I've got drives full of music and then you, you go through iTunes and try to, you know, organize it. And it's just such a, it's a hassle. I can create playlists if I want or find anybody. It's true. There is not... There's a there's a, a bigger than small part of me that misses the days when I go to strawberries, walk around... I, every week I had like, when I was like, we talked about the lost years when I'm working at McDonald's, whatever, you know, or first couple of years of my early twenties before iPods and stuff, you know, before Napster, if you will. And just walk around that place for a half hour and like find like the right CD, or yeah. the right tape. Yeah. And like you throw it in your car on the way home, like the excitement of that and, and how that felt and even how that place like smelled. And I know a lot of it is nostalgia and, and I, I'm maybe it's, it's stupid for me to credit, to talk about this because I have every tape or CD or, record in the world on my phone. But damn it, that wasn't fun. It was great because new music was an event. You had no other good, you had no good way to access music besides the radio. I feel like we're losing our events. I feel like, you know, like, I know it's stupid, but like walk around Blockbuster. It was so much fun to just walk around. Now oh, I, I go home, I go on Netflix. It's all, like, for me, I'm a 41 year old guy. I'm old, I get it. But I, it's just, it's overwhelming. There's too many choices. And I end up not picking anything and just like getting like strung out. I'm like, I, I don't like, it's too much. I agree. It, it, it's, that's I don't know, man. Like, and I, I know I'm a sound like a dinosaur here, and I know it's better now. I get it, but man, I kind of miss that. I don't no, kind of. I miss that. No, I'm sick of the. I'm I'm sick of the way that we're. I, I don't. I'm thinking of like not even watching as much TV. Like I'm not. I have no like TV series that I'm interested. I in have right to get now. Pu so I got pushed into one because of Kirk and Laura both said uh, only murders in the building. It's on Hulu. Um, that's the one with um, Martin and Steve uh, Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez. It's very good. Uh, heavily recommended. Don't have that. Hulu, but, uh, but I, I had to get like dragged kicking and screaming to watch it because I'm the same way you are. I'm it's not like, in it. I just, I just, I do. I miss, Dude. I miss our events. I, I miss them so much. I hate admitting, admitting this to you, but I'm watching like the worst TV show right now because uh, don't. I was at this Brazilian party, you know, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Remember? I know it's such a waste of fucking time, but Barbara and well, I the don't. The party had a good time. We had, yes, <laughs> that was not a waste. Yes. Sorry about that. No, this this show is a waste of time. But this guy, uh, mean meant well, uh, Brazilian guy. It was really nice to talk to. Recommended this show on Netflix um, called uh, Manifest, which is uh, have, you, have you seen what that I, one is? I've, I've heard people the, talk about. It. Yeah, it's yeah, like a, it's the, like a lost kind of show, right? Yeah. So a yeah. plane plane goes up in the air, and uh, it like 
zooms forward like five years and yeah. lands. And everybody's like, where's this? This plane's been lost it's on for ABC, five years. I think, maybe. Oh, I don't know if it was, but it's on Netflix now. And it is so bad. But I'm like, but Barbara and I don't really have much to watch together. And so sometimes at night, like we don't hang, we're both busy people. Um, and so I don't, we don't get to hang out too much. So we will like sit down and watch a show together when the mill is thing. And I'm like pot committed, but I, I fucking hate it. But at least I have some time with my, with my wife, but it is so bad. Don't watch it. Also, Ted Lasso, four episodes, really good. The rest of it is absolute bullshit. It's, it turned in by season two. Oh my God. Like another one. By season two, it turned into absolute shit. It is actually a bad show. You wanted me to get Apple TV to watch this fucking no. shit TV. I said you might want to try it. I, I also I also couched and it. said you probably won't like this. Like, given, this looks too nice, too like no. happy, and it's not worth it either. That really, the first few episodes are like, hey, this is good. Like this, this is good, and I don't mind it. It's warmer, but it's actually amusing, and uh, and they take some chances. But it, it turns to absolute shit. If you watch Ted Lasso in the second season and you like it, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Love it. I don't know. It's so bad. Only murders in the building. Vice principals. Those are my two. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out uh, vice principals. Do we? Do we need? I mean, I have some more no, examples. We can talk stuff with you. That's interesting. It's, yeah, it is. It's, I, I, yeah. I have other stuff, but I don't think we need to go there. I mean, it's it's fine. Well, we're gonna yeah. run into her again. So yeah, we'll run into her again. Um. So I think. Yeah. Then I think that's it with her. Let's move on. Do you want to tell, uh, talk about what you were doing? Yeah. So I thought, like, so I'm living in New York City this time. Yeah. And um, uh, so uh, in late October of 2012, Hurricane Sandy hit. Oh, that's right. Uh, yes. I, I'm working uh, at that time. Right when I moved to New York in January of 2012, I got a job uh, at a, uh, a company that uh, sold uh, websites to schools, school districts. So really high powered websites um, to sc- schools, school districts. Um, yeah, uh, and uh, we ended up moving in I don't know, April. We we're in kind of like smaller offices all around the financial district, and then in April we ended up going to an office that was way nicer than we really needed. Um, they would eventually, I think, leave that office after I left the company. Um, but uh, a very, very, very nice office uh, right on Broad Street, which, if you know, uh, financial districts are all, obviously everyone knows Wall Street. But actually, the uh, exchange is on Broad Street. Mm. Well, it's like Broad and Wall where it connects. But but uh, yeah, so I was, I don't know. I mean, I could throw a rock from my office to the exchange building, which is wild. I mean, it's like, it's a very, it's not as high, like you would you think, oh, like if you're not from New York, you might think that's like the most expensive real estate in, in, the, in the city. It's not, you know, because you think Wall Street. It's, it's not, but it wasn't cheap. And this is a, a brand new, uh, well, this is an old building, obviously, but it's a, a new so renovated, uh, completely renovated. Yeah. Uh, we had we had like half of a floor. It was wide. This is a big building, and I had a corner office with window. It was just, it was madness, and um, way more than we needed. But it was a beautiful building. It was cool. It was great. You know, being there it was very much like a tech. It was a tech startup. So like you know, you had like you know all the, the cliches, the, the ping pong table. You had the uh, you know the the keg and the you know it, it was all that kind of you know the the stuff that you you know. Uh, had yep. the fridge full of like, you know, uh, you know, imported beer and all, all the stuff that you kind of expect to see at these tech startups was kind of like that. Um, but, uh, but I was happy there, uh, especially this time. And so then November, um, so then I remember the day before Hurricane Sandy, it, Hurricane Sandy was at a weekend. So that Friday I, I said to my boss, I said, Hey, I've been watching cause I like her. I am kind of fascinated with hurricanes. I always have been, I like to w- go to the, uh, NOAA, you know, NOA yeah. uh, website and look at the hurricanes. And yeah. The yeah. Facts stuff. So I was tracking Sandy for a while. I'm like, this, this is going to like hit us. Like this is like starting to get like serious. And he kind of brushed me off. Uh, and I wasn't like super firm about it. I'm like, hey, you know, I don't people should take their stuff home with them. They go home. I just don't know. Like, I just assume, you know, we might lose power. 
And he's like, no, no, I'll be fine. All right. So I go, I go home. No, no, we'll be I think, fine. Like, it was, I think it was like a Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday. I know it was a weekend of that. Because then like Monday is like, oh, like we, I mean, transit was down. Like they shut the subways down. I yeah. remember like the Monday, Tuesday, they, they you couldn't even take a subway anywhere. And um, the city came to a screeching hall. But the problem was the finance district, if you remember, that got flooded. And right. uh, the finance district is, is very low. I don't know if it's under below sea level. It's incredibly low. Like they have, like they had like a, uh, like a, uh, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, uh, like a, Honestly, a force field is not the right word. Uh, like something to kind of block some of the ways from going in, but it was way too little for what ended up obviously what happening. These are levees, right? No, no, not no, like, no, no, not no. like something, okay. something different. It was like okay. basically almost like a, like a, almost like a block to block the ways, like almost like a, a shield. Um, but okay. the, the shield was like too low. And uh, they've since built that up um, more than what it was in, in Sandy, but regardless. And our building was actually closer to the water than even the stock exchange. And what happened was uh, salt water came in and went into our elevator shaft. And because of that, our building became condemned. Oh, yeah. So huh. um, it's also right around the time when I, uh, that week, next week is when I got married for, for the first time. So when I came back from my honeymoon, like we, you know, people still hadn't gone to the building yet. Like we, we still, everyone was working from home. And back then, Working from home wasn't as... We didn't have the same tools as we have now. Right. And my boss, like, it was just very much like, we want to get you back. And I was like, now, like, how do we figure this out? Yeah. And um, they, uh, my boss went on a, a, a run and eventually found a WeWork uh, that was oh, yeah. in basically like, uh, uh, how do you say, uh, basically like 15th, 16th Street, somewhere in there. Maybe not even like 20th Street, uh, which is much more... Uh, uh, uptown than where um and financial is as far downtown as you can go so nowhere near our office yeah uh so uh but I still had stuff in there um so um my boss and I and my boss did too so my boss and I went to the building they let us in we had headlamps on there's no power to the building and we had a we were like the, the 37th floor we had a kind of 37 flight stairs you go up there you know I had to get my laptop had to get any personal stuff I just you don't know when you're gonna go back in sure. there um and uh had to come you know Go. My boss wasn't in great shape, so I'm like, I was looking a little nervous. Like, heavy. <laughs> not, he didn't like heavy, heavy, but he just just was not in good shape at all. Yeah. He was like definitely having a hard time at the stairs. So like, oh, this could, this could go badly. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, and then we went to this WeWork, and and um, we were in there. WeWork. Oh my god, for, I would say four or five months. I'll I'm gonna give Laura a picture. I have a picture of my building lobby with like the water, like uh, tubes, like coming, like they're trying to extract the water from the. Um, elevator shaft. shaft, but that salt water just, you know, that's what happened to the subway lines too. Like the subway lines, I think up until know, pretty recently, um, the subway was fucked because the salt water got in all the signals. So I lived in New York from 2012 to 2016. And uh, the first year I was there before Sandy, the subway was so much more efficient than the rest of my time there. Really? Because we just kept having signal delays because all oh, the signals yeah. became deteriorated yep. from the salt water. Yeah. And um, it really it created like, it also kind of exposed how like the infrastructure subways, it's a fucking complete disaster. And, um, it was, it was such a mess. It really crippled New York. Like people don't talk enough about how much hurricane Sandy, like for, it was years it took to like, kind of even like, like I said, fix the subways, fix the other shit. My building was condemned for, I want to say four or five months. This, we work sucked because like, I'm used to having my own fancy window office. Now I'm in like a small room, space, right? 
What's that? You're in a co-work space, so you're with other people. Well, you're. It's we, we rent out rooms. So how the WeWork is, if you never don't know what that is, it's basically like it's a company that has like, like it's a good if you're like, I don't say you have a, your own company, right? Like, you, but it's just like you, or maybe you and one other person. But you don't have money to pay for receptionist. You don't have money to pay for like you're actually like full building. But this way, you kind of all share the secretary. You all share the water bubbler. You all share with other businesses. You guys are all kind of like you know absorbing those costs together. So it's not as yeah. as much as like, oh, I'm going to have my own company. I have to pay for, like you share the, the photocopier. You guys all share this stuff, um, which is great if you, but we had a company of like, I don't know, I'd say 15 people. So we had to basically get five, three person each. We work things. And like, you know, we, we were, we were way too big for that environment. And yeah. like, you know, I also needed to go talk to someone like, you know, and I had to go like walk across this whole office. You go in there and now I'm bothering other people and I talk to him because yeah. it's too cool. It was just, it was a fucking train wreck. It's a, it was a mess. Awful. Yeah. Maybe, maybe five minutes. We were there at least three. And I think right around this time is when we were starting to, because we're in January now. Yep. Oh no, I was, no, we were there. We were there until February, March. So I was like there. So I'd have to, the only good news was that my commute was a little less. But other than that, man, oh man, I guess sucked. Yeah, you go there, you go in that WeWork, you're like, you know, you know my boss, it was fine, but like, it's just, you know, the owner of the company's right there, like in the same room with you, which is fine. We got along, but it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah you don't yeah, always yeah. want to be in the same room no, with your you owner you know, you 40 don't. hours a week. No. Um, and uh, yeah, it, was, it just made it harder to get work done. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was so nice when we got back in the office um, a few months later. But yeah, it was Hurricane Sandy. Like, I was, was still feeling the effects for sure. Some lines got shut down. Like, I know, like, the, uh, some subway stations got shut down, like, completely. They had uh, the bottom of a, uh, uh, you take the one train all the way in. I think the last train is South Ferry. It's the Staten Island Ferry. They actually had to shut that station down and get an old station from the 1920s and use that instead. So you'd go down and you're in this like 1920 like subway. <laughs> it was so weird. Had, Look at the matrix. The, the train didn't connect to the platform. It had to have this like weird metal grate come in as like a bridge because the train in 20, well, 2012 was too wasn't the same size, the one in 1924. Sure. Yeah. So it was like nothing fits right. And you would draw, it had a tricky, crazy routes. So you go by all these other abandoned stations. So yeah. sometimes if they had the work lights on, you could see this like ghost station. It was ah. wild. It was really cool. But it was just so crazy how like New York to me is like this like living, breathing like organism. It is a fucking, it is a, it is a giant, it is a giant beast. And like New York doesn't give a fuck about you. Like you live in New York and you're there you're paying rent, like literally and figuratively. And then you leave, New York moves on. Yeah. And New York changes. It always is something new. It's always something different. But New York, New York will always walk on. You, we will live, we will die, New York will move on. New York was crippled. Yeah. Completely shut down. And you're like, holy shit, it doesn't take much. You know, it doesn't take much for this giant beast, this Goliath. And like David, you know, Sandy got him in the eye with the, with the slingshot. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a really interesting time. When I was on the shore, uh, you know, the summer, the, um, my surf instructor was talking about how it just, it destroyed the Jersey oh. shore. It, it took it all out. Like the, the, the landscape is so different now. It used to be a long beach where the, you know, the water would, um, you, you'd have a long beach before you, you got to the water. And then there was a, a gentle slope into the water. Whereas the water was kind of right up on the, there wasn't a lot of beach left anymore. And it was a short drop off. And he was showing me where boats ended up yeah. from the ocean. And it was like, I, 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 it was like a quarter mile away. It was crazy. The Jersey shore got fucked up. Yeah. Cause that's where it hit. Yeah. It didn't. So by the time it hit New York, it was actually a tropical storm. So it wasn't as, thank God, it wasn't as strong. It was like a, the most intense tropical storm you can have, but it still was a tropical storm, Sandy. But when it hit Jersey shore, it was still a hurricane and it fucking beat it, the shit. It did. 
It annihilated. Yeah. yeah. I, it, it Changed that whole place. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty, pretty wild stuff, but uh, yeah, it was crazy. I, we'll talk about hurricanes. Yeah, Cause by yeah. the time it got up to New Hampshire, it wasn't, I mean, it was, uh, it was a strong storm, but it wasn't anywhere near that. So it was almost kind of unbelievable. I remember when this happened, it was almost sort of unbelievable how bad it hit New York, how bad, how bad the damage was. We were walking our dogs, um, uh, my wife's dog and my dog, Wayfield, uh, and the other dog was, it was a terrier. Yeah. Uh, and it was a little dog and we had to walk the dogs. Like they had to they go out. So we're like, all right, so we're, we're you know, going on squeeze can like, you know, we see you know, trees or you know, branches are falling and New York are many branches. So it was like, it was crazy. And uh, at one point the wind gust came and it picked up the little dog, picked her up a foot off the ground. And uh, uh, my ex is like, ah, she screamed. Yeah. You know, it was, it was just like, nuts. I, was, I, was, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was like a cartoon. I'm like, holy shit. The poor dog was like, what the fuck? It was crazy. It yeah. was a wild, wild, wild. Um, it was a wild. But I will say this though. We never, the power didn't flicker. Because in New York, all the lines are underground. Mm, yeah. We did not lose power, did not lose cable, did not use anything at all for even a second. It was so weird to have a hurricane going on around you, especially growing up in New Hampshire, where the power goes out, the wrong thunderstorm, whatever, especially back then. I think they're yeah. a little better now, but sure. knock on wood. But um, but to, to not lose power and have this giant storm around, it was, it was very weird. Yeah. Yeah, normally you would. I remember uh, earlier in my life, Hurricane Gloria took out oh, the power for we'll a long time. Sure another time. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, power for two weeks. I was on Long Island. We got we got crushed. Yeah, we got crushed. Uh, was I think it was in Massachusetts actually at the time. It was, we got, yeah, we got hit crushed. Long Island dead on. That's the first one I hit. And uh, yeah, we, we. I mean, uh, we'll talk about that devastation. Yeah. That, yeah, that was that was that was much worse than uh, Sandy was. Yeah, destruction. But yeah, cool. Uh, headlines. Yes, January sixth, so the day before our week started, but it made sense to do. Um, ended the 119 day NHL lockout. Oh, all right. So the CBA had ended in the fall, in September. And owners uh, wanted, you know, they, they were negotiating. They wanted to adjust the revenue split uh, with the players. It was 57%. They wanted to bring it down to 46%. That's a dramatic change. Wow. Yeah. Uh, they wanted some contract term limits, four years of a contract term limit. Um, but of course, you asked for the world, I guess, when you begin. Uh, no more salary arbitration. They wanted that gone. Extend the entry-level contracts um, to five years from three years. And uh, this was the funny thing is, this is the third lockout in the Bettman. Well, they lost um, the whole season. Yeah. I mean, they, they really, uh, oh, yeah, they did in, when was it, nine, in the 90s? No, I think it was later than that. Was it later than that? Yeah. They lost the entire, I think it might have been around. They two, did. I think it was 2004. I think it was in Florida. Oh, shit. Okay. They well, lost the whole no. season. Lost the whole season. And this one lasted for a long time. They only got yeah. to play 48, uh, 48 games almost a season. Half season. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, I mean, there was some concessions. They did get eight year max contracts. They did get mandatory acceptance on arbitration for under $3.5 million. Um, and, uh, they did put in like salary floors and maxes so 44 million. And it ended up being something like 65 or 66 million or something, which would have lowered the amount that the players would eventually get, um, without having the revenue split in there. But, uh, yeah, it was a huge lockout. I'm bringing that back to baseball. So baseball CBA expires, uh, uh, in December 1st of this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's two different camps. One camp is a strike is imminent. Um, the players union and, uh, the owners I've never seen, I haven't seen bad blood like this since 95. Like these, they, there's a legitimate like hate on both sides. I wonder, uh, do you, what's that all about? Uh, it's a long story, okay, but right. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, so there was a, um, the guy that ran the player association for a long time, Donald Fair. Uh, yeah. Who he, was, <laughs> he's at the hall of fame, the, recently. But, but he was also, he was the, he was a player. Um, yes. At the time he was, uh, for hockey, the hockey. Yeah. Yeah, Donald Fair, yeah. Donald Fair is a ruthless guy, but so he was the guy in 94, 95 strike. He was the players 
the, the, he was the guy. I'm sorry, I'm totally flaking on the guy's name who he gave it to. A very kind man who seen he he was seen like the perfect fit. Of course, he dies in his early fifties of cancer. And uh, the next guy to go over is Tony Clark. He's a former player, yeah. which is odd. It's never happened before. Um, and um, the owners, uh, the last CBA was Tony Clark, who is a player. <laughs> And he, the owners just completely took advantage of it. And um, the owners got everything they wanted and the players got nothing. And yeah. the players were pissed off about it, rightfully so. They, they, lost, they lost a lot. Uh, they, lost, they gave up a lot of concessions for really no reason. Both, there was no, had, the, had the other guy not died of cancer, there was no way he would have given, given them the owners. Other, it was this bizarre negotiation. Yeah. So now, I mean, Clark was embarrassed. He still is the guy in charge. It's like, well, I can't let that happen again. You know, they'll, they'll fire me or it just, you know, it just, so now he's starting to like, like really dig his heels in and the owners are used to getting their way now for a while. Oh, now. of course. So they're like, oh, wait, what? Pushback. Um, and uh, so, you know, the other camp is, so one camp says the strike's imminent because of this bad blood. It's, it's, it's been rough. The other camp is no way. There's way too much money on the table, more, you know, between streaming and everything else. Uh, and, you know, player salaries are higher than ever. There's just no way there'll be a strike. But I will say, I am old enough to have lived through 94 yeah. and 95. And I will say, I remember reading this in Sports Illustrated, I believe. I know it, it, Boston Globe, one of the major, major, major publications saying there's no way there'll be a strike. There's too much money to be lost. So and I, they I've were seen this before. Wrong. Was that the year they brought in scrubs? <laughs> well, they kind of did spring training. Yeah. But in 95, okay. yes. No one actually played. Okay. It wasn't like football. Football actually had guys played. Replacement players actually played. They have NFL stats. Um, but in, um, but in the, I think they wiped it. That was in the 80s. That was before my time. The, the NFL replacement thing is weird. Baseball, I can speak to because I, I was alive for it. I'm a sure. baseball fan. Uh, they brought in uh, 95. Uh, the owners trying to call the players bluffs. They right, will we'll play with people who are not uh, basically not in the union at all. Uh, and, but they forced the managers to manage. It was very weird. They managed a lot of manager, former mm. players. They felt kind of like what's going on here. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was all about, they were never actually going to do that. They were just trying to expedite. And it actually kind of worked, but then these poor guys got, got, um, kind of like hung out to dry. So like when, when the players came back, they're like, all right, see you later, get lost. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them didn't even get like, you know, proper travel back home, whatever. Uh. And then the players looked at them as scabs. So I believe Rick Reed, Brian Dawback, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm getting guys wrong, I apologize, but there were a few guys that end up being a scrub that end up playing in the major leagues. That's but, that rings true. I think that you're right with Dawback, but the union never let them back in. So oh. what happened was like, if you look at like 1998 Red Sox, uh, playoff, like, like t-shirts, whatever, Brian Dawback doesn't have, like, he's not, he's not listed there. Like Rick Reed was a pitcher for the Mets. I believe he was left off stuff. Like if you were in that, the union never let you back in. Like they never, the union never forgets. They're rough. ruthless like that. Yeah. They don't, especially Donald fear. Like, but yeah, that was the thing is like, once you do that, but a lot of these guys were like, Hey, they were offering me insurance. Yeah. What do and you like, do? What do you do? I, I want to play Reed's, my, like I could be wrong, but I, 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 probably, I, 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 I want to say Rick Reed's situation was like, cause he already pitched in the majors. So he already was in the union. Yeah. But he's like, look, like my, my mother-in-law needed like certain kind of medication. I needed to have money. There was like some extra, extenuating circumstances with some of these guys. So they went and they broke, but you know, unions don't look too fondly upon that. So yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting time in baseball. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't, hopefully they can work it out, but clocks are ticking. So yeah. Second thing I got is the uh, mile high miracle happened on the 22nd, um, which was the division game between the Broncos and the Ravens. Okay. Do you remember this at all? Vaguely. Uh, so trailing 35 to 28 um, with about a minute left, the Ravens had the ball. It's third and three. Flacco, th Flacco throws a deep ball, 70 yards 
uh, to a wide open, um, is it Jacoby Jones? Yep, Jacoby Jones to send the game into overtime. Yes. And they end up winning in triple overtime. Uh, The um, Broncos were were a really good team that year. Triple overtime? Yeah, I think it was triple overtime and they won by three. I think it was, or maybe it was just overtime. I thought I saw triple. I'd be shocked if it was triple overtime. Was it, was it a playoff game? There's no way a triple overtime. I don't, I don't, I, that, I think that it would, was. That would surprise me. Okay, well, I'll look. Um, I, could, I could be wrong, but that would, that would surprise me. And then the Ravens, as you know, go on. It was a sudden it. death by then. I doubt they had three periods in a row of no, no scoring. Oh, yeah, because it would have been, it wouldn't have been short. Doesn't usually happen in football. It, it would have been, been full. It would have been 15 minute quarters after then, right? Back then, too, right? So I'll be able to, I, I, I yeah, maybe 45 it was just overtime. minutes of scoreless football. Yes. Okay, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Um, and then they beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship. The Ravens did. Right. And then they win the Super Bowl. I think against Black the 49ers. was the Super Bowl MVP. He was. Um, very overrated quarterback, but he had a good. Uh, he had a good year that year. Um, I don't think he's very good. He's had a good career. I don't he's see. Good I don't see he's career. overrated. Who, who's who's rating him that high? Like you know, like he's not. I don't think he's overrated. Well, he was at the time. I think he had a good year, but then he didn't. He didn't really have. He, he had, had a, a nice couple. career. I think. I think history regards him I don't properly. Like that guy. He's, a, he's a good. You know, good. Good, not great player. He had a, had like this crazy stretch. He had this great stretch. Right. Yeah, he I was. He was a great. He, he did. It, he had that. That was a great year for him. He did a very good job. Yeah, and that playoff run was was insane. Yeah. Like one of the best runs ever for a quarterback. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, he's Ravens. Ravens. Uh, play, playing right now actually. Matt and I are taping some Monday Night Football. This is uh their first game of the year. Who are they playing? Uh, the Raiders. I have money on the Ravens. So, oh, by the way, if you took my picks, oh, you you made some money. There you go. You made money. You free money. I did that parlay. It, it worked out. And then I even said, take the Dolphins. Ride me. Go against Patriots. Dolphins win. Money line, baby. Um, that was an underdog pick. That's pretty good by me. So I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you another pick. More picks on uh, the Patreon show. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, I only do NFL though. Uh, Kirk handles the college on the on KMS, but uh, I'm not a. I'm not. A, I don't know anything about college. I don't, I don't watch any college sports. No, I don't like. I don't like. I've never liked college sports. You watched. You watched the Patriots yesterday. Yeah, I did. That was fine. No, I, it was fine. I was mean, it, I wasn't, what was it like watching football again? Was it was it strange for you? No, it's only. I just took last year off. I watched. Mm. I probably watched every Patriots game in the last most Patriots ninety percent of the Patriots games in the last twenty years since Tom Brady took over. Nineteen years or so. So, wasn't, so you understood what was happening. What? You were, like the forward pass didn't confuse you or anything. Dude, I know the rules of football. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's what are you talking about? All right. Sure. Uh, but uh, no, it was fine. I thought Mac Jones played played well. Actually, I, you were you were less high on no, him. No, I, I did, the first half I thought his release looked a little slow, but then the second half he had some bullets. Yeah, yeah there's one pass. like right by right before the uh, Damian Jones fumbled the ball. He had like a this really quick. I was like, oh shit! Like maybe you know he had a pass rating over hundred. Um. He didn't have any interceptions. Yeah, beautiful ball down the sideline to White. Um, he had another yeah, one yeah, over the middle that was yeah. a, just a dart to a dot. I can't, I don't know, is that Aguilar? What's his name? Yeah, 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 Aguilar. Um, yeah, who yeah. slid like in the middle of the field. Yeah. That, was, that was a great throw like, in space, like the only place where he could have caught it. I will say the Pats offensive line is is very good, which is good yeah, for the Pats. Yeah, like, you know, good. Jets, for instance, we had our guy, Zach Wilson. He actually did pretty well. He yeah. had a pass rating over 80, two touchdowns. He had a pick, but... Um, Pretty good, but the Jets offensive line is terrible. So yeah. he got sacked you know, six times, and you know. But like, I it's like, oh, you know. But I think uh, both quarterbacks could be, uh, you know, one game. Who knows? But who knows? Both, I'd say both Wilson and Jones did pretty good. At least it's compelling because you got someone new and watching them develop. And yeah, better than watching Cam Newton. Is yeah, you kind of know where he is at this point. Yeah, I mean, in 2015, he was phenomenal. But he's, oh, he's a great. I have, I have, a, I'm in a keeper fantasy league, so we have, uh, we keep the same players year after year after year. Yeah. And I got Cam Newton as, as a rookie, and he yeah. led me to like three titles. Like, yeah. a great fantasy player, and, and obviously went to a Super Bowl himself in real life. Right, and they lost, but uh, oh no, I was MVP, like a great yeah. player for sure. Like, but like 
He, he can't. He had eight touchdowns last year yeah. passing. I mean, it's just, just ridiculous. To be fair, though, he also he he had a lot of running touchdowns. He did. So like his all purpose, his all like all purpose yards is like. But um, still, you touchdowns. add him up, it doesn't 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 quite. It's good, add up. but right, it's not really that good. Not, if you add him up, it's still not very good. We had way more. If you include the touchdowns from the running, had way yeah, more. Yeah, but still not. It's still not great. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to defend him. That. I'm just saying he wasn't. Like he was a he was a plus player. He wasn't a negative, but you still I'd know say he's a negative. That's not what the yard. That's not what it looked like. Add up the yards and then compare it to a passing quarterback. Compare it yes, to like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're doesn't, wrong, doesn't yeah. even come close. And yeah. now touchdowns it doesn't come close. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. He's he's the reason why that team that team had some pretty good strengths last year. And mm. I'm not. I hate the Patriots. I'm a Jets fan. But uh, that team with the real quarterback would have. Get the playoffs. Like, I, I don't want to defend him that much. I, he, he's fine, but uh, it had to work. I mean, it says a lot too. Like uh, Redskins, uh, NFL talk. The other corner. I mean, the uh, the Washington. Oh, I'm sorry, team? Washington. I don't know. Oh, I keep doing that. I'm sorry. No, I, they they should apologize. change the name. I, I I do it. I don't mean. I don't mean. I still call the Chargers San Diego. I'm, I'm old. I'm sorry. Uh, the Washington football team, rather. Uh, Ron Rivera is the coach there. He's yeah. the coach, and the Ryan Fitzpatrick is out uh, for a while. With the hip thing, and he he's already said like this morning, he's like we're not signing Cam Newton. And I'm thinking if Ron Rivera is not going to go get Cam Newton, uh, no one's going to go yeah, get Cam Newton. I don't think. I mean, out, maybe, yeah. you know, it only takes one team, but it doesn't look good for Cam. Well, because Cam is Cam going to be happy sitting on the bench? I mean, he's been a yeah, star in his career. I don't think that's a... I think you know, that's where lot, I've heard, like, you know, reading some some articles. Like, I think a lot of GMs and coaches are fearful of that. It's like, he's yeah. not a backup. He's not someone that wants to be a backup. Yeah. Like, I remember, like, Mark Brunel was, like, excited to be a backup when, it, when that time came. Sure. But even he said, like, because he was a backup for their... Uh, uh, for the Jets for a while, and even he was like, "Oh no, how this happened a few years earlier, I would have been really pissed off about it. I wouldn't I'm have been sure. the right move. Like, yeah, I wouldn't have been the right mindset for it. You have to be like ready for it. Yeah, because it's a completely different job. Yeah, you got to not want, not care about the pressure. Like, I don't need the pressure anymore. I'm done with that. But I still want to be involved. I want to help the out people. the guy yeah. that's going to take my exactly. Be, you know, you, you, yeah. it's, he said it's a completely different mindset. Which yeah. I, it's like it's a completely different job. Yeah, I totally buy. Um. All right, so uh, we're back uh, tomorrow. Oh, Patreon, if you have to, uh, I think it'd be a good one. Zero Dark Thirty. Yep. We're going to talk a bit more about the Oscars and uh, some Django talk there. So, uh, so join us there if you if you are if you are a patron. Uh, but if you're not a patron, we're still back on Saturday with Matt's birthday show, Star Trek Grizzly Bear. <sighs> what is that? What is that sigh? It's a sigh of me who works with a nerd. But I'll make fun of you about that on uh, Saturday show. So, Star Trek and Grizzly Bear. What do you mean I'm a nerd? <laughs> Oh, because those two things. Well, I mean, the movie was just a like it's just a situation. You were of, happy with that situation. No. Oh, I'm fine to to cover that movie. Yeah, I like the reboot, but but no, I, I there are probably a hundred movies I'd rather cover than that if we could. But it's just about matchups. I was trying to figure out the, the, the truth is in the pudding, my friend. The, the pudding says the we're proof? covering Star Trek. I said the truth. We would have covered it. I mean, the it, truth it, is in the pudding. We would have run into it anyway. It was a you know major hit, and no, we would have hit it anyway. So. Whatever, you're the nerd. The you're truth nerd. is in the pudding. <laughs> the proof is. <laughs> so is you're the one who's like reading stats books and memorizing shit, and, and you call me the nerd. So weird. I don't. I don't, I don't think. You, see, the thing is, if you have great memory, it doesn't take you that much time to memorize. It. Well, it doesn't take that much time to watch and enjoy a movie. By the way, I, I know people are gonna now. I know it's the right thing is proof in the pudding. I'm fooling around. I know. I know. I know you know that. You know, it's like, you know, like nine thousand people on Twitter be like, actually. I hope they do that. It's now I've already made it worse. Now I, I'm gonna get ten thousand people. They to should do it now. because that's the shit that actually, I get to manking me. You get it. You get it more than I do. Way more. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. But it's if you fine. get a little bit of, I'd like it. I'd like it. If they uh... actually, you know, what? everyone, uh, please uh, go after Matt for for saying proof in the pudding, even though it is the correct way to say it. Just don't make fun of him anyway for it. Don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Back is on Sunday. Yes, yeah. See you.